And a happy Friday morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I would be Glenn Clark. He's Griffin, and of course, it's a Friday, so Stan the Fan Charles is back in studio with us. Chief Grand Poobah here at Pressbox. Something's, something's changed since the last time yes, I was in here. Yes, it looks very different. The number of times this week that I have looked over to the camera to hold up like the print issue of Pressbox. Right. Go right now to get the print issue of <laughs> Pressbox, and I'm holding it at the door, right. and not at <laughs> which you should still go get. There's only a couple weeks left. On the best of issue of uh, Press Box with Adley Rutschman, our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, on the cover. Uh, go get it right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms. But I have done that quite a bit this week, Stan, as we have moved uh, we moved uh, just literally across the hall. But here. everything's in reverse. Yes. And it's I'm very be looking at Griffin every time I talk correct. to you. <laughs> well, he's got those dreamy eyes, yes, so I can does. sort of understand that. Stan's here. Busy show in just a second. Jeremy Fowler, uh, NFL Insider at ESPN, is going to join us to we'll talk about the Ravens offensive coordinator search. It won't be Frank Wright. That's the only thing that we know so far. It will and we not talked be about Wright. that yesterday, yep. and I said if Carolina doesn't sign him as head coach, I yep. think he's going to end up with the Ravens. No, he's, and uh, he's signed with Carolina. Indeed. indeed. Later in the show, we're going to talk about the new Orioles pitcher. Stan spent a few minutes with him this morning, Cole Irvin. Also, Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, will join us. We'll get his insights on what the Ravens should do at this point regarding the Lamar Jackson situation. And our friend Dan Wilcox will check in a little bit later on, former Ravens tight end. Of course, the Believe in Ravens podcast. That's all on the way on a Friday who's edition this, of the who's program. Who's co-host? I've never heard show. of him. Never heard of the guy <clears throat> that uh, he co-hosts that show with. Ba- Bas Malaka? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. But we'll talk to Dan Wilcox because he matters. And we, and we might surprise somebody yeah with we'll, the happy we'll see if we can't greeting. squeeze that in at some point this morning uh but right off the top of the show opportunity uh to catch up with jeremy fowler nfl insider for espn who's with us this morning jeremy it's glenn and stan the fan charles in baltimore always appreciate you taking some time for us thank you so much sir hey anytime guys great to be with you jeremy um you put out there earlier this week the the ravens are casting quite a wide net in terms of trying to find an offensive coordinator. We know now it won't be Frank Reich, but um, have we learned anything at all about exactly what it is they're looking for? It seems like they're going young guys, old guys, experience. They're, they're all over the map with this search. Yeah, you know, the, the proverbial wide net is being cast. Um, I mean, they'll probably end up talking to, I don't know the exact number, but, you know, it'll be at least 10 people, I'm, I'm imagining. Um based on the request they're making. So, you know, I think they're going to look high end. They're going to look, uh, you know, emerging up and coming and kind of go from there. So have you gotten any sense at all of the elephant in the room, right? Like, have you been able to garner anything about what the Ravens, I, and I'll, I'll give you an example. So when it was Frank Reich or, you know, when you put out the enemy and Byron Leftwich, I said, I can get why Chad O'Shea might not care who the quarterback is in Baltimore because, you know, he's making a move up. But for someone like that, if that's who you want, don't they need to know what the quarterback situation is going to be if if you're going to be able to get that guy? Have you gotten any feel for how they're handling kind of the awkwardness of this as they're trying to land an offensive coordinator? Yeah, you know, I think the initial interviews are just more about what the coaches offer, how they've handled their own offense, and what they could do with Baltimore's scheme. I don't necessarily think it's a – a Lamar heavy discussion yet. At least that's my impression from the early interviews. I'm sure that when things get closer, they'll dig in on that. 
Um, but I think I think Baltimore is actually doing some Zoom interviews and then bringing people in after that. So I'm sure the people that actually come into the building, they'll dig into some of that. But I would be surprised if Baltimore says, hey, you know, we're going to trade Lamar. So, uh, right. you know, what do you think? You know, because they know that that could leak out elsewhere. Of you know course. what I mean? Like, uh, no, I, I completely so, get like, it. I, I just – Yeah, so I, that, Jeremy, do you think that somebody like that, like, again, someone of the ilk of a Byron Leftwich, would be willing to take a job like this if he didn't have at least an amount of certainty that Lamar Jackson was going to be his quarterback? Well, yes, because it's a good job. I mean, it's it's a stable franchise, okay. right? Like, you look at a lot of the offensive coordinator jobs available, some of those could be one and done, you know? So, um, now the, the Chargers, you got a chance to coach like a Justin Herbert. That's right. a big deal. But some of these, it's you know, not an easy job to take. So Baltimore offers a little more stability there. You know, there's a still a good chance that Lamar Jackson is going to be there. If he's not, then you got a team with suddenly multiple first round picks, um, a, a really good franchise and a good GM and Eric DaCosta that would get you a good option there. You know, so there's certainly it's, it's, it's not a job that you'd be overly skeptical about whether Lamar is there or not. Okay. That's fair. I mean, it's, it's certainly fair. I was I was curious um, uh, as to the the what you understand his his medical condition is is Gary Kubiak. I know that seems like it's so 1980s to ask about him, but he was sort of thrust upon John Harbaugh by the owner, I believe, when he was hired, and he had an amazingly successful season, and then he left for the Denver job. Is his health? Up to snuff now. Do you hear his name mentioned anywhere right now? Not really. Um, his name hasn't been overly hot just because people yeah. pretty much expect that he's retired. It's yeah. not because of the ability. He's still a very good coach that a lot of people would love to have. It's just um, there's not a lot of healthy speculation about him. You know, maybe as a senior assistant role somewhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think the Jets would have loved to have a guy like that. Um, but it, it just it's probably past that time at this point. Well, they got Nathaniel Hackett, who was the best offensive mind in football last year. They got nothing to worry about. Jeremy Fowler is with us from ESPN here on GCR. Jeremy, is there anything in looking at like I, I, I in, the, in the press conference? I don't know that we can be dismissive of a lot of things the Ravens said in the press conference because they can't come out and tell you what it is they're planning on doing. But they did bring up the idea that like, hey, we don't want to go completely crazy away from the identity of this football team and we know that the history of the baltimore ravens you know from having been in this division when you were working in pittsburgh for years like they want to run the ball they want to set themselves up for playing cold weather games in december and january and i would be kind of surprised if they do a total about face from that and turn into a team that's throwing the ball 50 times a game but in looking at the candidates have you garnered anything that you think they're looking to do stylistically offensively moving forward well, I think they're, the theme I've noticed is they're talking to a lot of quarterbacks coaches or receivers coaches or pass game coordinators. So I think that is a little bit of a departure from Greg Roman, you know, that um, they want to be able to evolve Lamar Jackson. I'm going to talk as if I'm assuming Lamar Jackson is back. So, right. um, you know, Lamar wants more as a passer, whether he'll say that or not. You know, I think he, that the times that they get to go no huddle or that, you know, he can drive the ball downfield. He welcomes that. So, you know, I think they want to see that through. It's, you know, it, there, there's an element of, okay, if Lamar is going to be back here, 
um, you know, we do want to appeal to him, right? Like he can, I think it's acknowledged by most, a lot of people around the league that he can do more as a passer, that, that he can evolve more in that area. And so they want to give him a chance to do that. So I think that's a theme going forward. Like they're not looking at a bunch of run game coordinators here. You know, they're looking at passing options to make him, you know, a, a more of a high level passer. I get that. I completely get it. You say you're assuming that Lamar Jackson's going to be back. Would you recommend that we in Baltimore assume <laughs> that Lamar Jackson is going to be back? Um, I, I'm assuming that right now. It's just, it's weird because, you know, teams I talk to, like, some believe we'll be back, some are skeptical. So it just depends on the vantage point. You know, the, the reality is, they're going to franchise tag him, and he's probably not going to show up for a while. So they have to decide before the draft, are they willing to accept that uncertainty? You know, like for all they know, and I don't think he's tipped his hand anywhere, he could pull Le'Veon Bell and just not show up. That's the leverage of the franchise tag. Um, he doesn't have to sign anything. So they have to be willing to be uncomfortable with that. And right now we just don't know. They're, they're saying they are. They're saying all the right things. And uh, – so it, it's, a, it's a complicated strategy regardless, you know. Um, if they realize, like, look, we're just never going to get a long-term deal done, we're not going to give them that fully guaranteed money, which he seems intent on right now, then teams are going to be circling on this. They're going to be calling the Ravens to do a potential deal. So if they, if they get an offer that is insurmountable, you know, it could get interesting. But do you think uh, the, the question I have about the contract – and how how attractive do you think he is with with the way he's acted regarding this contract? Do you think there are teams, multiple teams out there that are willing to give up the package for him and 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 pay him what he's going to demand? Probably, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> he's he goes to the top of the list. That, okay. That's kind of what I was still trying to teach him. Okay, like he just. He's just so rare. I mean, he's 45 and 16 as a starter. That's pretty know? good. That's Which a is pretty good record. Day, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's going to be hard for Baltimore to walk away from that. You know, yeah, I, like he's flawed. You know, he's he's injured a decent amount now. You know, he's on the injury report for illness or sick yep. a lot. Like, I think that's an issue. Um, but he's really good. So it's just, it's like there aren't so many of those. And I think Baltimore realizes that. That's why there would be a market. And, but I, I don't know. It depends on the team. I don't think every team that needs a quarterback is going to overhaul their whole offense for him. Um, and there, look, there's. I would say teams are less high on Lamar Jackson than the media is. Some in the media think he's, you know, the, the best quarterback in the league, and he's wildly underrated. Teams don't necessarily feel that way, but he's still, regardless, a top ten guy. Yeah. And those guys get paid, and those guys get traded for. Speaking of top ten guys, I was watching one of the ESPN afternoon shows yesterday. I happened to have some free time, and they were alluding to the signing of Nathaniel Hackett uh, in New York as a sign that, hey, Aaron, we're over here now because of the relationship between Hackett and Rodgers. Do you think there's any smoke there? With the Jets? Yeah, with Rodgers. Probably. I haven't confirmed that, but I that's certainly the sense. Um, it, the connection is natural. Nathaniel Hackett has worked well with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is a big fan of Hackett. But it's still a big leap 
to say that Rodgers is going to wake up and demand to go to the New York Jets of all teams. You know, like I still just have a hard time with that. Uh, you know, like I know they have some pieces and they're on the upswing a little bit, but it's still the Jets. And they haven't been good for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I just have a hard time with that one. But I know Rodgers seems to sense, based on his public comments, that the Packers are in a bit of a rebuilding phase a little bit for as much as Green Bay would ever be that. You know, they don't really rebuild, but Jordan Love's waited three years. He's ready to play. Like, there are some signs that things could be changing. And so, if it's going to be an AFC team, the Jets would be one he would at least consider, I'm sure. Jeremy, I know we need to let you go. Can I get a 20-second uh, answer? Do you have a sense for what a DeAndre Hopkins trade would cost at this point? Mm, probably a day-two pick, maybe a third round or something like that. Okay. You know? All right. His money is, I think he was, $19 million in base, but you can rework that a little bit. Still doesn't so, go. You know, it's, it might be tough with if Lamar's on a franchise tag. It might be really difficult still to do it that way. But I, you know, that that cost doesn't seem overwhelming. Um, I know it's at Jay Fowler ESPN on Twitter. I know you want to get over it. It sounds like you got some kids waiting for you. Is there anything else we can plug for you, Jeremy Fowler? Oh, you're good. You're good. Sorry um, for the background noise. No, no, that's no. it, man. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys having me. I'm a father of two. I completely get it, my friend. Appreciate <laughs> you, Jeremy. I have a dog. Yes, I have a dog <laughs> and a wife. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, there you go. Me. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy Fowler. Hey, anytime. Thanks. ESPN NFL Insider with us this morning here on GCR. Um, you know, I, I love the idea of DeAndre Hopkins in Baltimore. Even with restructuring a contract, if Lamar is on the franchise tag next year and is – Soaking up forty plus million dollars yeah. of your cap, I I still think a rework con. You would have to completely part ways with a few guys. You there would have to be a lot of things you'd have to do, and it's easy to say, okay, well you can move on from Chuck Clark. You can, and right. there's about six million dollars of the savings there. But didn't you already think this team was a little bit thin in the secondary this past season? Like, I I get it. The wide receiver thing whole, hangs over this franchise in a way that few things have. You know, maybe since dating back to when they had no quarterback previous to the Steve McNair arriving in Baltimore, yeah. but seems like since Stephen Smith retired, it's been that long that they've, they just have not really had a really a go-to guy. Yeah, I mean they've had players. They, yeah. you know, Hollywood Brown was a player and was a helpful piece, but they have not had a dog. They have not had a yeah. true top wide receiver in Baltimore, and I get why DeAndre Hopkins is. Very appealing as the guy that we know can be out there. Is Bateman now a suspect? In other words, he, I a, love the guy right. when he plays. Right. He's but unbelievably he's, it's talented. Unbelievably bad luck with the with the position as well. It's a it's a really good question, Stan. And I I don't obviously I don't know the answer, right? Yeah. Like, and there's totally a possibility that Rashad Bateman comes back next year, is healthy, right? And, and goes next five years without a major it, injury. Exactly but, right. But so far, the the short. No question on him is you got to be concerned. And I think that one of the things that we all pointed out even before the season began last year is one wide receiver does not make a room make either, right? Like they went into the year with one qualified NFL wide receiver on their roster, and that was a guy that had done it for less than a season. Right. They can't go into next year and just say, even if they truly in their heart of hearts believe Rashad Bateman is going to be healthy. Right. They just can't. You, bank on that. You yeah. have to have a deeper room. You have to have a deeper yeah. room. Now, a lot of people would still say the draft is the better way of going about doing that, and historically, I would kind of agree with that, but... I will say that James Prochet mm -hmm. has done a terrific commercial for... Seriously, oh, I'm being... <laughs> really? No, for mental health. The Ravens oh, well, put wonderful. him out there as that's a guy wonderful. to talk I about. I love that. It. 
Yeah, he does. Uh, he does a good job. He's a he's a very good guy. Yeah. He's just unfortunately he's... not. But again, as I keep, every time somebody brings up James Prochet, I'm like, he's a sixth round draft pick. Yeah. What do what you think you he's supposed to be? Brock Purdy. Well, he the was Brock seventh. Purdy of receivers. He, he was a seventh round draft pick, so that's a little bit different. Yeah. He was too relevant. That's correct. James that's exactly Prochet. right. Way too relevant. Stan is here this morning. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma. To reflect your unique personality and driving habits, check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, because I was away last week, you and I didn't get to talk about um, the Ravens' end-of-season press conference and the Greg Roman thing. I, I think we were both in agreement that it was it had to happen. Yeah, it was going to happen, yeah. yeah. Are, do you care at all about like who the next guy is or what we talked about this earlier this week like i put out a would you rather wednesday would you rather it be someone like frank reich who's got an overwhelming amount of experience or a newer younger guy who maybe has some fresh concepts that we haven't seen before does any of that register with you in any way i I wonder how receptive john would be to some young wonderkin who's you know got designs out of the wazoo uh as opposed to a veteran guy i'm trying to think of anyone that john harbaugh has worked with would qualify and i guess the answer is no No. i think almost roman Cam, cam cameron jim caldwell right Gary Kubiak. Trestman. Trestman. Morningway. Jesus. Yeah. Trestman was supposed to be somebody that had but some But the bloom really... was kind of already off the rose with yeah. that from his time in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they go with a more veteran guy, somebody that they're comfortable with already. With the situation at hand, uh, I don't think they want to get some guy in here and it's just not going to f- end up fitting. I was really excited. I did not think Reich was going to get that Carolina job. Mm-hmm. He must have really blown them away. He's such a good coach. He's well, there's, really a there's also coach. the Steve Wilkes factor, and Griff and I were talking yeah. about this after the show yesterday. Like, and and obviously Steve Wilkes' attorney came out strongly yeah. afterwards, and yeah. I had forgotten that Steve Wilkes was in the Brian Flores lawsuit. Right. So it's awkward, but they had already elevated the interim head coach, despite that. So I don't know why suddenly the NFL would stick, you know, stick their nose in and say. Well, you can't make him your permanent head coach. Right. I, it does. I, it reeks a little bit of there was. They had nothing. They had that was hell. The right. situation and in he Carolina went in last there and year. did six and six at twelve if, games. If which you, a miracle. if doing there. that with that group, I mean, there is zero. There's DJ Moore and Brian Burns. I get it. Like yeah. those. Those aren't. Those particular pieces aren't nothing. But even those guys aren't. You know, Aaron Donald and. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Devontae Adams, he inherited zip. Just a hellscape. A team that should have gone on to finish 3-14 and and be moribund and have the top pick in the draft. And he had them right up there with Tampa. 100%. I think there's absolutely room to say, if that's not good enough for you to get a job. What is? Right? Like, I, I don't think there's nothing there. I, I don't think you can be completely dismissive. Now, I can't guarantee that it's about pure racism versus just a misguided approach um, to how it is that you go about hiring your coach from the Carolina Panthers, but I absolutely would be asking questions about yeah. if, if I can do this when you're not even trying, when you're giving me, when you're getting rid of 
the best player on the team. Yeah, I was surprised. I'm very surprised that Wilkes didn't didn't get the job. Right. You know. So it Frank, almost comes off that he was more of a token hire, uh, a token interview mm-hmm. uh, to fulfill the uh, Rooney rule. Yeah. What, what I mean, what else does he say in an interview? Yeah. Like, guys, yeah. you you want to know why I want the or I should get the job? Right. Did, did you watch? Right. Like, it's like Steve Spurrier finding out he had to interview to try to get the Florida job back. Right. All those years. You remember the legendary story of Steve Spurrier is, I guess it would have been after Urban Meyer. They asked if he would want to interview for the job again, and he said, go look at your trophy case. Here's my interview. Like, what are we doing here? I'm interviewing for my job? This is insane. Um, So I was excited about Reich. I thought there was a real strong possibility, and you and I, during our segment yesterday, the pick segment, I said if Reich doesn't get hired by Carolina, he'd be the type of guy I think Harbaugh would – generally be excited to go to work with every day you know he's a creative mind he's 61 years old right but he ended up getting the carolina job which i think uh, shocked a lot of people i think people thought that either wilkes or sean payton would get that job but he must apparently people think sean payton might not be getting any job uh, it doesn't look like that right now it's kind of wild yeah doesn't look that way so it looks like brian flores may be in play for the panthers job because remember, the Panthers, it looked like two days ago, were like almost dead set on Dan Quinn was going to be their guy. Wait, and the Panthers? Yeah. Not, not the so Panthers, like, wait, wait, wait the, the Cardinals. Yes, the Cardinals, yes. The Arizona job. Right. That's what I'm hearing. Brian Flores, is he's got a relationship with the new general manager mm-hmm. um, and from their time, I think, with New England. That sounds right. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, a couple of thoughts just on this. I... I said at the beginning of the week, and again, having been gone for last week and sort of vomiting some thoughts out, it's very awkward for me to try to talk about the offensive coordinator thing because Because you're a defensive guy. Yeah, exactly right. Everybody knows that about me. (laughs) Everybody always says that. They're like, Glenn, you're way too defensive. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm not. Not at all. What are you talking about? I'm not even a little bit It's so awkward for me because there's a part of me that's, who cares? I, I need to know... We're, we're doing things out of order here. Like, the quarterback is the thing that matters. Then you figure out who your offensive coordinator should be. And the awkwardness of this is so overwhelming to me that I don't know what I would want out of an offensive coordinator. I, I think I have an idea. I know Ray Lewis went on Showtime this week and was talking about, you know, wanting Lamar and more of a pro-style offense. I don't know that the problem is that they're not opening it up. I, I don't know that they need to open it up. I do think there should be more quick outs and more quick passes in a Lamar Jackson Maybe some offense. screen passes. Th- exactly yeah. right. Like crossing routes. I think that there should be more of that. I don't know that they need to throw 20-plus yards downfield 10 times a game. I don't think that's what needs to be. I think that was what you needed in a Joe Flacco offense when his one unquestionable weapon right. was his downfield arm. Um. I have opinions about it, but the, if Lamar Jackson's not going to be the quarterback, then why are you building a, or putting together a coordinator for Lamar Jackson? That, that's yeah. it's. They have a very. T- it's look for an organization that whether you love the Ravens or hate the Ravens, you know, and most people in town here love the Ravens. We would agree that they are a very well-willed machine, and Lamar has come along and exposed that. No organization is perfect at figuring out everything. And they drafted a player. They got him. They, they've helped develop him. Uh, 
clearly had God-given talent that was off the charts. Mm-hmm. But now it it the the relationship is out there for everybody to see, and to me it's a it's a fractured relationship. I I, I am not as optimistic as Jeremy Fowler was at least saying, well, I'm going to make the assumption. To me, I think they got a very tough needle to thread here uh, in the next five weeks, well, to, six to, weeks. To his point, if you're, ju- if you're not going to get a deal done right now, right. and the idea is, but we don't want Lamar to walk either, so right. let's so just— you franchise him. You're, you're, you're hamstringing your you're own— You're hamstringing your team correct. too much. And I, I don't think at the end of the day— Steve Bashotti welcomes being backed into that into that corner. I mean, he's a smart guy, um, but you know, I think I think that the the fracture is that Eric wants him badly, Harbaugh wants him badly, and the owner is I'm not budging on what I think he's right. Worth. I'm, I'm not doing fully guaranteed. Yeah, you know, almost specifically, and 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 I don't think that necessarily. It has to be a hundred percent guaranteed. No, but it's got to be more but than one hundred thirty-three. Got to be right. more than one hundred thirty-three, and uh, you know, I well, and Steve Bashotti does not like rocking the boat. Somebody brought this up to me this week. They said, "What do you think the difference is?" And besides the desperation of it, but uniquely, why would Jimmy Haslam do that? And Steve Bashotti wouldn't. And I would say, just look at the, the personalities. Right. Jimmy Haslam clearly does not care about rocking the boat. He's never been someone who's really given a rat's ass what your opinion is right. of him. Whereas Steve right. Bashotti has historically never been the person to try to be out there and to try to. He doesn't like that stuff. It's not him. He would rather sort of go along, swim in those waters, yeah. show up at the meetings, He's be friendly with everybody. He's got the guardrails of what's appropriate and what's inappropriate with his brethren. And, and, and I can't tell you what's guy. right. Like, yeah. I can't tell you which is the right, right way to go about doing business. To, for me to say that Jimmy Haslam's way of doing business is the right way, I think we have a lot of evidence that would suggest, no, right. it's not. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. Um, now, I have opinions about having quarterbacks. I'd rather have a quarterback than not have a quarterback. Always. I would always rather have a quarterback than not have a quarterback. I, I just I can't shake that. There is no greater fear or risk that exists within football than not having a quarterback. And yes, you always could find another quarterback. It's totally possible. The Ravens could trade for a top 10 pick, could be the team that drafts the kid from Kentucky, and he could prove to be a rock star, but he could also prove to be Josh Rosen. And there is nothing that is more damning in football than being the team that doesn't have a quarterback. It's terrifying. The is thought. Josh Rosen still out there? I believe Josh Rosen would be available for hire if, if the Ravens would be looking for something like that. And it's, I, I don't know. I, as Jeremy Fowler brought up, I do think they've got to do something by the NFL draft. I don't think, I, I keep saying Yeah, I, I definitely think that if they franchise Lamar Jackson, I think he's going to get traded. I, I think if it comes In, down to that. Unless they're very confident that they're close enough, they're just not there yet, right? right. Like, And it, that's happened a few times. It has happened a few times in their history. But where, if you're getting close enough at that point and you really, I, I don't know. I think if he gets franchised, he gets traded. That's how I, you know, that's how I see it. I I. I think there's a great argument for if if it comes down to either he's going to have to play on the tag or you're going to have to trade him. Right. Then I I tend to agree with I. 
it's an awkward spot to be in because you don't want to have to trade him after the draft because teams will have already filled right. their needs during the draft and because you can't get your quarterback. Has there point. ever been a player that has signed the franchise and come in and done all the, the quote-unquote right things? You I mean, know, I, don't think came anyone, in and, I don't think anyone's ever showed up for like the first day of camp. Right. But over there's far fewer examples of guys that got that let this go to the regular season right. than there are guys who did. There. Yeah. The the likelihood is, if it were to go that way, Lamar's definitely not showing up until about a week before the season begins. Right. And nobody wants that, but it's also not, again, if Lamar Jackson walked in on the day of the playoff game, having not practiced for six weeks and said, I'm, I'm good to I, go. I think right. I can play. Right. 1,000% they would have played him that day. Right. So in the same way, if Lamar doesn't show up for training camp, it's not ideal but they're not going to suddenly say, like, hey, you show up a week before the season, we're going to let Tyler Huntley play in week one. No, they're going to play Lamar Jackson and, and take their chances on Yeah, it. it's just it, – it's it's such a fly in the ointment of trying to do something smoothly in bringing in a new a new coach. Right. And then not having his An secret weapon yep. to work with. 100%. You know? It's yeah. not ideal. All right, uh, Stan's going to tell us about a new Baltimore Oriole. As um, I, I think this is probably it for the off season. Like mm. I think this is probably yeah, the last. I would say so. I mean, they might be somebody that's sort it's of. A good, it's a good deal. We'll talk more yeah, about okay. that. Uh, today's show also brought to you by UMBC Athletics. Of course, the UMBC women are home tomorrow afternoon against Vermont. An opportunity to check out the Retrievers and the UMBC men back home next Wednesday against Binghamton. The UMBC women just won on a buzzer-beating three on Wednesday night. High drama. They're a very exciting team. If you want to check them out tomorrow, get your tickets. UMBCRetrievers.com to experience game day at the peak. Stan the Fan is here. Uh, still to come, we're going to talk to Randy Mueller. We're going to talk to Dan Wilcox. we got a lot to do. It's Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at pressboxonline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest and I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. I want to help you guys win some money. Just just almost essentially for free this weekend. Thank you. Honestly, you know what? Th- th- thank you, Griffin. I appreciate the fact that you see what, I, what it is that I'm doing for you. I, 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 there is a small amount of risk, I guess, but it's not really much in the way of risk. AFC Championship game is on Sunday. I'm all ears. If you've never signed up for DraftKings, now I know, Stan, you've got a complicated relationship there. Yeah. But I'm I'm going to bet that Mrs. Charles has never signed up for DraftKings. That is correct. So if Mrs. Charles has never signed up for DraftKings, and she were to wander over to pressboxonline.com slash offers. Slash offers. Correct. Click on the Jane, Dra- are you listening? Click on the yeah. DraftKings link. Right. She can bet just $5 and win $150 if either quarterback in the Chiefs-Bengals game Throws for more than one yard. I was about to do it again. I was about to put that finger up over that. One yard. $5 to win. I don't have enough fingers for $150. One, one five, zero. Yeah. $5 to win $150 if either quarterback throws for more than one yard. And that's Correct. either. So, in other either words, one. again, yes. my scenario where yes. Patrick Mahomes – Hurts his ankle in the first play yes. and doesn't throw for one yard. All good All, because you got another quarterback. You got that another can. quarterback. That's it. That's never Either. happened in the history. I don't think so. I yeah. don't think so. Either. What if Henny comes in? Either. Uh, I don't. I believe it's got to be one of the two starting quarterbacks. What if Henny starts as quarterback? Now that I believe you got. And they run the ball there, three right. plays, and, and then they, they pull him. Up. I. Yeah. We're getting far too complicated. Right. I think the point is. It sounds it, like it's pretty simple. It's gonna hit. Yeah. It's going to hit. So get to pressboxonline.com slash offers. Click on the DraftKings link and get signed up if you never had before. If you've already signed up for DraftKings, maybe took advantage of one of their other offers, maybe think about somebody in your life that hasn't, and you could charge them a finder's fee. Hey, I can get you free 150 bucks. All you got to do is tip me out 20 bucks. Uh, okay. You just made free 20 bucks. That's that. Very simple. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Stand the fan. You spent your morning on a Zoom call. Yeah, I spent about 15, 16 minutes uh, with all the attending uh, Baltimore uh, baseball followers in the media. Uh, we spoke to the newest Oriole, left-handed pitcher Cole Irwin. The Orioles ma- the Orioles trade for Cole Irwin yesterday. They, they do give up a legitimate prospect 
in the deal. Yeah, not her, obvi- Hernandez is a real nice player. Right, not a top prospect, but someone who is well thought of and definitely someone who I think most people believe is tracking to become a Major League Baseball player. This is not a throwaway that they give up. They get a pitcher with a good amount of team control and who has put up some decent numbers. Not overwhelming but decent numbers. Your reaction to the deal? First of all, remember they gave, they got another pitcher in the they deal did, too. Yes. A twenty-one year old former Penn State Apologies. pitcher. I'll He's six seven. Uh, I forget his. I know. Same it, here. I'll tell you, uh, Kyle. Oh God, hang on. Ver, it's not Vitichke, Kyle. Yeah, it's, it's not Ottenheimer. I don't Ver, think. Verbitsky. Kyle Verbitsky. Yep. He's a, he's uh, he was pretty decent last year. Innings pitch, strikeouts. You know, uh, he's got some development to do, but he's six seven, right-handed pitcher. But anyway, yeah, by the way, it, in in single A last year, he walked thirty, struck out one hundred and forty. Right now, his n- other numbers four point six three ERA. They, like they, they say he's got right. immaculate control. Okay, uh, so this is not just a little throw-in, which is a sign, seriously, of how good Hernandez. Hernandez is sure. a good player, sure, good prospect. But Cole Irwin is an interesting pitcher, and last year. If you look at his numbers last year, he was 9-13 and with the Oakland A's. He pitched in 30 games, started 30 games, threw 181 innings, which would have led, I believe would have led the Orioles sounds, staff last you know, year. What did Jordan Lyles, Lyles throw? was like 170-something. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Anyway, his earned run average of 3.98, Glenn, and I follow Cole Irvin pretty closely. Oh, is he on your fantasy team, I had you him son two of a bitch? Okay, I had him right. two years ago. All right, all right, I don't good. have we're him good. right we're now. Good, then. All right. I, yeah, we're good. Sure. We're good. Um, this is a guy who on August 25th, 26th this year, his earned run average was 3.16. He just finished up six shutout innings against the Miami Marlins. Six starts later, his earned run average was well over four. In 32 and two-thirds innings, he gave up 30 earned runs and 59 base runners in those 32 innings, which saw his which saw his whip skyrocket to finish at 1.16. That means, and again, I'm a big believer in studying deeply how a pitcher pitched. You can't throw away and dismiss them, sure. but you can sort of look for mitigating reasons that he pitched that poorly and I think there's something here that Cole Irwin from March 28th through August 26th was arguably one of the 10 best starters in the American League okay now at the end of the year he's probably no better than the 35th starter but what happened in those 32 innings and I asked him that question today at the press conference and his answer wasn't pablum he said, yeah, I've begun to work on that already, you know, and it was something where I think I got too ready too early that he was somewhat out of gas at the end of the year. So, you know. So I want to point out the, the one thing that I always worry about a little bit with an athletics pitcher yep. is always the foul territory, uh, right? Yeah, like no question it's the, about. the stadium is so wildly different in Oakland 
And in what way did that impact the pitcher's numbers? So ERA plus is typically the best mm-hmm. number to go to. And, for example, while uh, Cole Irvin had a better ERA than Jordan Lyles did a year ago, Jordan Lyles' ERA plus was lower than Cole Irvin's uh, slightly. It was 91 for Jordan Lyles, 94 for Cole Irvin. Okay. So it does suggest that there was some sort of impact, which is not surprising because, again, right. it's j- it's there's no stadium in baseball that's anything like pitching in Oakland like it's just there will inevitably be a time that a batter could have battled through and gotten seen some more pitches and didn't because there's a mile of foul territory for someone to go catch a pop-up in where a ball would have gotten out of play in another stadium so inevitably there's going to be an adjustment all that being said there is a lot to like here like there's a lot to like about acquiring it's not a top arm right but acquiring someone that has been reliable the last couple of seasons that is proved that through 178 innings the year before exactly right and as you're trying to have other pitchers in your own we have talked a lot stan about how the pandemic maybe impacted the orioles a little bit more than everybody else because all of the pitchers that were coming up now need to be ramped back up to an innings number and you can't just do it all at once and so now you throw in kyle gibson and cole irvin who let's just say if nothing else is pitching at a Jordan Lyles-like level for the Orioles this season, it goes a long way for you with all of these other guys to have someone else whose innings you can count on. So at the minimum, it seems like a player, again, separating what you gave up for him, which I do agree with you is a very real prospect, at a minimum, that's a good thing. Is there reason to believe that you can get more from him and that he can continue to improve as a pitcher? Well, one of the things I like about him, and he was very, he spent about 45 minutes on the phone last night, or maybe they do Zooms when they talk, mm-hmm. uh, with Brandon Hyde and Chris Holt. And he says, we're really ready to hit the ground running. You know, uh, he's you, very receptive. You and I kind of joked about it. Yeah. Like I, a lot of guys maybe coming to Baltimore wouldn't be the most exciting thing in the world. But if you're right. coming from Oakland, like my right, God, right. this is it's, it's manna nice from, not to smell sewage. Right. Like it's day. manna from heaven right. for you to find out that you're headed to Baltimore. Right. Now, he's pretty excited. <laughs> you're like, you're like the, the owners are suing each other. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> My yeah. God. Yeah, I smell sewage every day. Get me there. In the past, yeah. Immediately. The toilets don't flush. <laughs> right. um, Kohler, I, I like this pick. You know, look, it's really interesting. Two months ago, we were thinking, hey, the Orioles, maybe we'll get Chris Bassett right. at $21 million, $18 million a year. As recently as a week ago, we said, well, there's still Michael Waka yep. out there. This is a guy who's going to make about $3 million this year, maybe three and a half, I'm guessing. Um, And they control him for about another three or four years. I think it's a terrific pickup, and I think Mike Elias has quietly put together a very nice size five-player addition to his team that has made the Baltimore Orioles more competitive. Do I think this locks it down – that they go from 83 wins to 89 wins Mm -hmm. or 90 wins? I don't think it does. What's going to determine that is Austin Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins, those guys, if they come through, you know. But but I think he's had a very nice offseason. You know who I feel really happy for? And I can't confirm it yet. We're trying to get him for our Monday night Zoom, Brandon Hyde. Oh, okay. I feel really happy for Brandon 
Because he's a, giving from, a more, he's been giving given more, more qualified more opportunity. qualified major league players, you know. To, a gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. I, I, by the way, and it is a nice thought, what you're saying, that if there is still some doubt about Brandon Hyde's long-term role in Baltimore, he deserves the opportunity to at least have... To manage a real major league team. Correct. Where they're not constantly subtracting, they're adding... You know, and again, not overwhelmingly, not you know, big ticket items, but qualified Major League Baseball players that have been added to the group. So, and I, and I think you'd agree, Glenn, that given the what they've done, there's every reason to believe if somehow the Orioles are in the midst of a pennant race, that they would add something more substantial later in the season. Can, can we talk about that a little bit openly, Stan? Because I, I do have another question I yeah. want to give you about the rotation. Yeah. But I, our buddy, uh, our friend Eric Ardini, of course, yesterday was Mo's birthday, and uh, did not know we that. had we yeah. had a it was a Stan. There are times where I think about Mo. I, I, I this story weeks ago, we had been touching base with Trey Mancini about hey, you know, we have we wanted to talk to you about winning the World Series, and he was getting married. And he was just hey man, can I? Can Is I he wait? married now? Yeah, they, he and Sarah got married in December. And he just said, could, Are they could we, still married? Yes, they're still married. Everything's still oh good. Oh, my God. He said, he said could, uh, could we wait a little while just so I can get through, you know, it's kind of a crazy time. And, I, you know, right. Trey is one of the best people I've ever known. Yeah. We'd do anything for yeah. Trey. Um, so he said, dude, happy to. And then I was away, obviously, on vacation. And Griffin on Monday is like, hey, I, you know, I heard from Trey. He wants to come on on Thursday. And I was like, great, awesome. And literally on Wednesday night, I said, oh, my God, it's Mo's birthday. <laughs> Like this dude, right? right. I, I'm not a religious per like, right, but Mo. Right. That's very, very. Come on, man. That's very like, weird. come on. So, um, you know, our friend Eric Arditi was listening, and he was texting me, and I said, "Dude, just call in. We'll, right. we'll, we'll take a minute to talk about Mo." And then after that, we talked a little Orioles, and we both got to the point where, like, we try to block out all of this stuff. We try to block out, and like this week, there's more developments, and now that. Angelo's law firm is going into a conservatorship, and it's it's not fun, right? No, and the, it's, and it's the, not. the baseball team was fun last year, so I try as much as possible to not put people through that conversation every day because you're a sports fan. You want you want it to be pleasant, and the baseball team was pleasant. If teams stunk, I'd probably be more invested right. in the other stuff. Right. But the team was good, and so we want to be excited about the team. But then we both got to a point where we said, we can understand, like, and we always judge it by the liftoff comments. And I can understand, as you and I have talked about, the idea of this year, let's take another year, look at the Austin Hayes of the world, look at the Jorge Mateos of the world, the guys that we think something of, but we're just not fully certain yet are definitely part of the equation or not. So I can justify this year them not going, quote-unquote, Full hog, all yeah, wild hog, yeah. But the other stuff makes me worry about will they be going all in at some yeah. point like i can't dismiss the i would like to see them invest in adley rutschman and try to buy out arbitration years i'd like to see them do that with Gunnar henderson i'd like to see them try to replicate the atlanta braves but with everything going on is there any hope of them doing that like is there an ability for this team to spend that type of money and i'm not trying to be negative about it as much as I don't know the answer to that. I think, and and it's really interesting. And I've I've heard that 
uh, I heard this through the grapevine that there was some criticism of the job that Jason Lockenfora and Tim Barbales did last week. Mm-hmm. I didn't share that. I found the interview. Yeah, it was a feel good interview. I don't know that when you get somebody like John Angelos on, the thing is to bombard them with with these questions about what's going on with the lawsuit. I, I just don't see any benefit in that. And Tim snuck in what I thought was a really great question. Is is the money there to to in you know mm-hmm. to to really pay a really sizable payroll? And John says we gotta find out. And it's got something to do with drawing fans to the ballpark. And that's a huge part of the equation here. You, it's hard to explain because everybody thinks there's these revenues. Well, they're getting so much from, uh, you know, the BAM network or, you know, the uh, Internet uh, yep, games. Yep, and media. they're getting so mm-hmm. much from the T-shirts and all these revenue streams. There's no other revenue stream more important than the fuel, the, the lifeblood of an organization is the attendance being 27 to 32,000 every game, not 8,000 or 9,000, you know, and sometimes even 5,000, you know. Uh, and they've had a rough couple years now, uh, rougher than most coming out of the, sure. the Freddie Gray situation, right. you know. And the then cost, a pandemic. And, and then the, the pandemic. And the team wasn't good. Yeah. I mean, like so it was. I think the answer is if, if we're drawing on a pace for 2 million fans this year, even 185. If we're on that Which kind of pace, it's a sizable jump. It's a sizable. It's going to be a 500,000 mm-hmm. person jump. Uh, I, which I think is doable this year. Well, if they, I don't com- know if if they, they get, come out, yeah. it's so critical it's to get off. To we, a good you and I start. have talked about this. Yeah. It is so. What happened a year ago? If that happens again this year, would really hurt them. Right. Because you have to capitalize out of the shoot on the belief that we're going to be in this thing the whole time versus trying to get people to wake up. In June, in July, right, right, and say when they're all going on vacation right. and when it's hot outside, right. like those, it's so critical that you get off to a strong start or at least a very competitive start to the season to show that wasn't a fluke last year. We are legitimate. Get to the ballpark, right? Like yeah. it's critical that they do that. Yeah. So, I think that's the key for for the the short term, the next eighteen months, whether the team really spends some money. And I think it's a little naive for an organization that desperately couldn't wait to get out of the Chris Davis contract, you know, for, and they, they ended up working a deal where Chris is going to take right. more De- yep. delayed, deferred money, um, that they were suddenly going to jump in. There's no talk. You don't hear them talking about a seven-year contract with Adley Rutschman yet or Gunnar Henderson. There's time for that. But right now they got to get over these next 14, 15 months. You know, I, there yeah. is time for. I think that Rutschman, we all know, is always going to be more difficult in part because of the position that he plays. Yeah. That like the, he's not and his age, the opportunities for him to get the big contracts are going to be lesser. There is always the world in which Adley Rutschman is going to come back and say, "I just don't want to. I don't want to take away my opportunity to get the bonkers deal in free agency." Right. And so, in order to buy him out, you're going to have to give him something more significant in order to get there. Gunnar Henderson seems like because of his age that there's room for him to get more than one bite at the Exactly apple. right. Yeah. Like that would seem like a more likely scenario but to go about doing. The difference is that 5 years ago when Manny Machado was coming and it's really interesting to 
compare with Lamar Jackson. But, you know, we had a franchise player in Manny Machado, and they made one big effort to sign him. Peter was worried about, ironically, injuries, mm-hmm. um, that he didn't want to take that big a bite. The difference is now there's a Kobe Mayo, a Connor Norby. This organization now is ready to be nimble where it needs to be, you know, that it's got so much more talent that I don't think we should get that hung up as much as I love Adley Rutschman, that if four years from now somehow they can't figure a way to sign him for six more yeah, years. Yeah, I hear I you hear know. you. It's it's always it's not still, the end of the world. It's I, I get what you're saying. I still think it's tough when you're trying to kind of to your point, win back baseball fans, to get people back to the ballpark. I, as as you and I have talked about, I think it goes an even further weight. Whatever they would have done in the offseason could have been significant. To me, there's nothing more significant than you can do that you can do than planting the flag and saying, This is the guy. Right. Count on him being here. Fall in love. Don't worry about like right. am I there's just nothing you can do for a fan base that's more significant than that to try to get them to fall in no, love with no you question. all over no again. No question about it. Before we wrap up this segment, what does the rotation look like now with Cole Irvin? Uh, Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish. They're, apparently, they're they're set on Tyler Wells being part of the rotation and Grayson Rodriguez, and uh, that's six pitchers. Mm-hmm. So normally you would have five men. Right. I think there's a good chance that this well, and organization we, and we know that John Means at some point and John Means will come back at correct. some point, and at that time you'll have seven, and maybe Tyler Wells is a trade chip that you use along with Jordan Westberg and you get the hitter you need. Right. Well, and, and realistically, we know, unfortunately, somebody else is going to get hurt in the process, too. No question right? about like, it. Like right. the, the reality Those is you're going to need. things work themselves out. But this, these six guys give you a chance to, to ease Grayson Rodriguez into his major league workload. Do you think he starts the year in the rotation? I think it's – Solely dependent. And by the upon- way, what you what you have done here is completely removed D.L. Hall from the rotation equation. Yes, yes, he is utterly and completely in your mind now out of the bullpen. And not, I know, you- not, no, not necessarily. I could see him starting the season at AAA. Okay, okay. If if he's a relief pitcher, I think he's probably on the major league roster. If he's not a relief pitcher, I think he'll start the season in AAA. Okay, okay. But Grayson Rodriguez, let's not kid ourselves only through 75 innings last year. The notion that he's going to come in and give you 180 innings or 160, he's going to be at a, a pitch like 125 innings. That's going to be his in-season max. So if we are in contention, he could pitch some in the postseason. But so where do you have him then to start the year? Like, I mean, I guess my I question is you don't really want him pitching innings at AAA either because those innings no, count No, those too. innings right. count too. I think there's a small possibility, pending depending upon how he pitches, that he could start at AAA. But I see them trying to implement a six-man rotation, which which shaves innings off. Do you create a scenario where you acknowledge Grayson Rodriguez as kind of an opener, like that you're he and someone else are piggybacking when he? No, nah, I uh, well piggybacking possibly, but um, yeah, piggybacking is a possibility. But I not think, saying one inning. I'm not right. like, not the opener concept of one inning. But, but you're but kind I of think in- a short stay on the on the IL for Grayson is not without re, you know without 
without the within the realm of possibility this year. I oh, I would almost be stunned if yeah. if there wasn't something like that right. at some point. But I guess I would go a step beyond. I, I speaking to the ex, trying to get the excitement there at the beginning of the year. I think they would be well served to have him start the second home game of the year, right? Like try to create an additional event at the beginning of the year yeah. to keep that excitement up that you're talking about. I forget what's their schedule. They start in Boston right. to open the season and then they're right. home the second week. Right. So I could see him starting the first home game possibly, you know. But I wouldn't want to shoot my you know what I mean? Like you know you got a huge crowd for that one. Okay. I gotcha. would be I got you. You're I, saying the second you right, know, when I you would, usually go from forty six thousand to eight. Exactly right. Maybe so the maybe first you can get twenty two. Well actually it's a week I, I forget I keep forgetting. It's a weekend series against the Yankees. You absolutely do not need to do that. <laughs> right. You got a weekend series against the Yankees to start the season. Yeah. So I would maybe say that week the next four games are all at home against the Athletics in the he middle of the week. He will start against the Oakland A's. That would be my, like, you make your Grayson Rodriguez's first start some one of those four days between Monday and Thursday. And it's possible he may not even start, given that, he mm-hmm. might not even start on the roster opening day. And they sort they of, just sort of leave him down at spring training. Yeah, for, extend out, yep. and then they bring him up for one of those games. I he will have, start one of those Oakland games. I could absolutely I see that. All right, uh, that is Stan the Fan Charles. Of course, um, appreciate he was on the uh, the Zoom call this morning with Cole Irvin, so some good insights about the new Orioles pitcher. Speaking of insights about the Orioles, you and Ross Grimsley got some insights this week. Yeah, we talked to Matt Blood, who's director of player development, and I asked him the really deep question that everybody wanted to know. If they're the number one minor league you know, farm system is he the number one director of player development? I, I believe that's the way it works. I'm pretty sure. It just like, I uh, said, you must clearly be the highest paid. Right. And he's very happy with his job. There you go. There you go. Uh, you also, yet another show this week. Yeah. Yesterday, I uh, got a chance to talk to now becoming a little bit of a friend, John Martin, the director of the Maryland Lottery and Sports Gaming. Uh, John came on with us at, with us, with Pressbox myself at four o'clock yesterday and it's on the website right now at pressboxonline.com slash video is the best way to go right yeah talk to him about the 50th anniversary of the maryland lottery very good you want to feel old i was i was 21 years old when the Maryland Lottery started, oh I'm now 71. Oh I wasn't going to say anything, yeah. Stan. I just—I uh, look I want, damn you know, good for my I, age. Nobody's—nobody's so. nobody's debating that. I just—I didn't need. I wasn't planning on bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I was going to let it fly right by. Yeah. Uh, again, and then this Monday, we're, we're, we're still okay. Right. We're keeping our fingers crossed. Yeah. We've got—I've uh, got some help internally there. And I feel pretty confident we're going to have somebody from the Oriole organization okay. with us. Very good. Two shows every week with Stan the yeah. Fan. When we come back in, uh, we're going to catch up with former NFL GM, friend of ours, Randy Mueller, is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts on the Lamar Jackson situation, the complications of it. We've had quite a few of these conversations over the last couple of years, but we're starting to get to the point where we think the rubber might have to meet the road. So we will try to advance that with Randy Mueller next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Looking for some excitement in the new year? Laurel Park has plenty of live horse racing events to spice things up this January. The much-anticipated winter meet kicks off on January 1st, plus we've got special MLK Holiday Racing on Monday, January 16th, and the Winter Carnival Stakes on Saturday, January 21st. Winter may be cold, but the racing at Laurel Park is hot. Learn more about upcoming January events by visiting laurelpark.com. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. It's the perfect time to sign the young basketball fan in your life up for a membership in the Retriever Kids Club. It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It makes a great gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kids club for more info. Membership is available for kids 12 and under in the Retriever Kids Club. Again, umbcretrievers.com slash kids club. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or, if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a three-and-a-half-star review, too. Cash in on the AFC and NFC Championship games. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Sign up with BetMGM, bet $10, and automatically get $200 in additional free bets. Get this promo and more. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now for over $2,000 in promo offers from all of the Maryland mobile sports books. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us this morning. We think we're getting to a point where the rubber might have to kind of meet the road when it comes to Lamar Jackson conversation, but, you know, we've... Who knows? We might be doing this for another two years at this point. I have no idea exactly how this is going to play out. A man who's been uh, wonderful with his time for us over the years and has tried to give us as much insight as he can about how you go about handling this is, of course, a former NFL general manager. Now he's working with the XFL out in Seattle. He is former Saints and Dolphins GM. Our friend Mr. Randy Mueller is back with us now here on GCR. Randy, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always, my friend. Thank you for waking up early for us today. 
My pleasure, guys. Good to be back with you. Hope you're doing good. Everything is well. I just uh, quickly for people that don't know about you know what you guys are doing and bringing the XFL back this year. Um, how fired up are you for it? And do you have any wide receivers that you could guide to us after the season <laughs> is over? Actually, it has been awesome. This is the league run by The Rock and Danny Garcia and Redbird Capital. So I run the Seattle team with Coach Jim Hazlitt, and it's been a lot of fun. We've kind of built the team from scratch in, in the vision of our coaches and scheme, and no different than the NFL. But I guess the challenge is we get to do it from scratch. So we can handpick players, and I think we're going to have a really quality team that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, people, uh, The games are going to be on ESPN starting the week after the Super Bowl. So it's going to be fun, and, and it has been. We're in the middle of training camp, so – I'm I'm anxious for a little diversion into some NFL talk, that's for sure. I, it's funny you ask about receivers. I've oh, yeah. built our team kind of like we would an NFL team, and we have eight well, or ten really fast guys. There's so one really they will, they will end up being they will end up being in the NFL, I can promise you. I, I saw a name on your roster. I'm not sure what the story is. Do, do you is Josh Gordon playing for you guys? He is, and he's doing really well. I'm happy for Josh and He's, he's jumped in and really is a leader on our team, and he's been really doing great for the last three weeks. So I don't have any doubt he'll get back to the, to the big time as well. That's really great to hear. Randy, nice to meet you. Uh, Stan Charles in Baltimore. Um, wanted to ask you of the importance of the XFL and the USFL in terms of being development leagues for the NFL. Do you think this long term is really good for a lot of players who otherwise may have fallen through the cracks? 100%. And I thought it was a missing piece to the landscape of really football around the world Mm -hmm. for years. I spent 35 years in the NFL, and we used to send six, eight players every offseason to the World League of American Football. And you probably would have not never, you would never heard of the likes of Kurt Warner, John Kitna, Jake Belome. Mike Sinclair, Mike Jones. These are a lot of guys that became household NFL mm-hmm. players, and they all started because of these opportunities. We'll have a bunch more this year. Plus, I'll be honest, the quality of players that are out there right now are really good, um, whether it's the COVID pandemic or kids coming out after six years and getting extra years. The NFL just doesn't have enough seats for all these guys. So we've got five, six guys that will make our team that have never been to the NFL but probably should. So it is a great opportunity for a lot of kids for sure. He is Randy Mueller. Of course, in addition to that role, he's with the Athletic and, and Heavy and all sorts of places. It's like Mueller the Jim football. Bowden of football. He really is at this point kind of going that <laughs> route. Um, Randy, you and I have had so many Lamar Jackson conversations these last couple of years <laughs> that it's almost wearing me out. I, I, I mean, let me phrase it this way. Does it feel to you like we're starting to get to the point where the rubber is going to have to meet the road? Like, you know, my opinion has always been whatever you got to do, you, you can't be the team that let a franchise quarterback out from underneath your, your fingertips. But whatever is going to happen, like it just feels like tagging him again, not having him around with a new offensive coordinator coming in and the awkwardness of that and still not... I, it, it feels like at some point we're getting to a you've got to make a, a strong decision one way or the other here in the next few months to me. I would probably agree with that. I think we saw, and you guys are living it closer than I am, the relationship fray a little bit over the last couple of months, um, whether it's you know for, for Lamar's reason, uh, the club's reason. There's been frustration. Um, the Ravens have been a really well-run organization for many years. It really 
the, the owner has been solid. Their financial plan is, is solid. They do things with precedent-setting um, decisions in mind. So they are sharp and always have been. I don't think that's going to change. Therefore, I think they understand what they have in Lamar. They made a case to, to ha- get a long-term deal done with him last year. I don't think what's happened this year is going to change the value that they put on it. Maybe the structure changes a little bit, and maybe there's frustration from the Lamar camp. The fact that I see and hear a lot of people saying, well, the Ravens should just give Lamar everything he wants, that's not going to happen. They can, <laughs> that, that, that crowd is probably barking up the wrong tree because we all know the Ravens do things with business sense and savvy. So that's not going to change. And if it's a fully guaranteed deal that Lamar seeks, it's, it's probably going to have to come somewhere else. Now, having said that, they know he's a good player. They know that they put all their eggs in that basket, and they don't have a lot of options. So you're correct. The, the decision is going to come down the pike here that the pavement does hit the road, but I don't think they're going to let Lamar out the gate without doing what's right for the Ravens. Randy, have you ever had a situation similar to this in just the sense, not player to player, but an important player who is representing themselves versus having an agent and could you talk about the complications it brings to the negotiations? I don't think I have. I've thought about that for the last year or so, if I've ever encountered it. It definitely complicates things, and it puts a different step and a spin on every word that gets said. Sometimes the agent's job is to make sure that things don't get personal, Mm -hmm. to filter things being said either way, and act as a filter. That's just professional negotiating 101. It's hard when one side has personal feelings that could get bruised um, or that don't, you know, do this all day, every day and have not done it for years. So it complicates things. Um, I don't know where the tenor is or what's been said, but it sounds to me like there's a little bit of, you know, uh, I don't know, definitely frustration. Like I said, maybe fraying of that relationship. So that has to happen. They've got to mend that fence in order to get back to the, the, the financial part of it, which is really what matters at the end. Randy Mueller is with us here on GCR. Can I can I follow up on that, Randy? Which is like in your experience, is it, it, I think from afar it would be easy for people to say, well, it looks like these 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 guys are on the, they're not on the same page. There's no way to make that work. But knowing, I'm sure you dealt with plenty of players during your career that were upset over something, and there was fraying between those relationships is it as it it does seem to me like okay take two weeks everybody chill out let's talk again you should be able to make things work as adults to to get everybody in the right place is it as impossible to to get over whatever it is whatever awkwardness there might be as it might seem from the outside i would sure hope so because i know this there's been a ton of goodwill built throughout lamar's days in baltimore so that has to prevail right any of these hitches in our giddy-up have to go come and go and you're right it happens often it happens with players between front office agents everybody and yes you've got to learn that it is a relationship business and you have to build those relationships through thick and thin my guess is they can put anything personal aside at some point but i don't know that the ravens numbers are ever going to change to make it where all of a sudden everybody says on the lamar side hey this is what we want let's do this i i think that that ship may have passed. I know this, if, and I've done a million of these contracts, and some of them big money. You're not going to withhold, maybe a little bit, but you're going to make your best pitch effort 
like they probably did a year ago. And that's really where they feel that the, the bottom line is. So I don't see the Ravens changing face and, and moving a bunch of money here or there to make a deal happen. I think they've done that. Randy, um, it was, it was kind of interesting to watch leading up to the playoff game against Cincinnati where the player came out and really announced his medical condition uh, as if to give himself some legitimacy about not playing. Isn't it normal that the club would usually have doctors say, we just want to be clear, Lamar has not been cleared to play, or is there a fracture there that team doctors thought he could play? It just is very awkward to me that he came out with a statement about his medical condition. Yeah, you're, you're right on. It is not club policy to have the player in any place I've ever been come out and actually give the details of his injury and why he's not playing. I would think that the team would obviously want to back that information and be a part of any of that yeah. information that goes public. Does that give you an indication of how serious the fracture might be between the two sides right now, despite all the the warm and fuzzy talk at the year-end press conference by Eric and John Harbaugh. Yeah, 100%. And you could see it throughout the season in the frustration of John when asked about it time and time again. Sometimes no words have to be spoken, but body language alone tells you everything Mm -hmm. you need to know. So that kind of led us to believe there was frustration. And then when Lamar did do that, I thought to myself, in fact, I may have even tweeted it that day, that this is not good. It's not club policy. I would not want my star quarterback out there trying to fend for himself. We need to be aligned, and it just showed me that they weren't aligned at that moment. For, for what it's worth, I've literally seen John Harbaugh go into the locker room and into guys' faces and say, you don't talk about your injuries. Like, you don't. I have exactly. seen yeah. that occur. <laughs> like, he has gone, you know, yeah. it's, that's supposed to be their safe space, right? Like, he has gone in yep, there yep. and said, you do not talk about your injuries. Just, just a follow-up on this, Randy. You know, the Ravens, and this is no knock at Chad Steele, who is kind of the PR person for the Ravens now, but they had one of the most veteran, smart, savvy PR people in Kevin Byrne for years. Do you think this yep. might have played out a little differently had he been part of the equation? Well, I think in real life, and in my experience led me to believe this, that I don't know what's happened with their PR department, but it would be the responsibility of that PR person to come to me and say, hey, here's about Here's, here's just about what's going to happen. Right. And I always like to say, hey, don't let me be surprised by any of this. Right. But it is all about relationships. Yeah. And, and maybe Kevin or a prior guy would have had that relationship. You, you would know where your mind is of your players. And I always took that on as myself as being a GM. And I wanted to have that knowledge in a give and take way. So, again, the relationship, the communication, probably not what you want when you're building a team and managing a team. So, that, again, put up a red flag for me. Uh, Randy Mueller, just another minute or two with him here on GCR. Randy, if I could, I your thoughts on the – I hear people describe the idea of doing fully guaranteed as reckless. And while I certainly understand why you wouldn't want to do fully guaranteed, like I get that entirely, I, I do push back on the idea that it's reckless necessarily. And one, because it does feel like we're kind of going in that direction and that there will be more players that fight for that in the coming years. But two, also because it feels like what we're really talking about is the difference of maybe a year at the end of financial flexibility 
versus like it's not like they're going to give him nothing guaranteed. Like we're talking about the difference in you know eighty percent guaranteed, seventy percent guaranteed, or a hundred percent guaranteed. Do you think it's reckless for a franchise to be going down the road of fully guaranteed at this point? Well, I don't know everybody's definition of reckless, but I do know that we're treading on sacred ground, and that's an area that the NFL has not wanted to go down. Obviously, you can point to Deshaun Watson, maybe even Kirk Cousins in a way. I don't think that's going to catch on. I don't think the owners were ever going to go that route. So I do think it is something that they will push back against to the end. But if that's the hill you know, a, a player or a certain group wants to die on, God bless them. They're, they're not going to get it from 99% of the owners. So that's just the way it is. I don't know about reckless because I, I know this. I've never met people that have a lot of money that didn't cherish that and, and figure sure. out how I got all this money <laughs> sure. was to not be reckless. So, <laughs> Hey, I just got one more for you, Randy, and thank you for today's appearance. This has been really educational uh, to hear this side of things. Uh, I was going to ask you now, I always do that when I... <laughs> Oh, you, you blanked on what it was. I blanked yeah. what I wanted. We just wanted to say it was such I a great game. Thank you. I, I really did. I forgot. I'm, it's I, it's quite all right. I'll, I'll I'll bring us home then if you don't right, mind, Stan. Right. Go ahead. Um, Randy, I, I brought up the draft, right? <laughs> to me, the draft is such yep. an important timeline in all of this that if you are at some yep. point going to move on from Lamar Jackson, you need as many teams as possible to be in the equation and have not drafted their quarterback already and then add in it that I think that you should be looking to the draft to find your quarterback. Is is the draft to you as important as I think it would be in this timeline? Um, I don't think it is to fill a specific need. If you go into it thinking or having to have a quarterback, I think you're making a giant mistake because that omits the rest of the talent that you may find. I think the Ravens, and I've said this for a couple of years, they need other options, not because they need to replace Lamar, but they just need other options that would allow them to not make a bad deal with anybody. The worst deals that I made as a GM were the ones that I made when I had no options. So I'm always about options. I think negotiations are about options. But I would not put all my eggs into one basket because, you know, uh, anybody uh, from the outside world thinks there's three quarterbacks that are all NFL worthy. That's not the way it works on the inside. People haven't even spun that evaluation yet. People haven't got to that point. So to say, you know, whether it's Bryce Young or this guy or that guy, right. he, he, those, that is not a guarantee that those guys will be seen in that same light that these outside evaluators put on them. I've thought of my question, Randy. The complications of allowing this to get to franchise and then what it does to your training camp. If the quarterback, the most important person you've got, is just not there until a week before the season starts? I think it's become norm. I think the franchises, the organizations, are better adept at dealing with it. Um, beyond, beyond, to be honest with you, it's not a giant distraction inside. It's what the media does to create it outside. Okay. Okay. And these guys That's are all trained, whether it's Eric DeCosta or, or Harbaugh or whoever, they, they understand how these things work. It is not a distraction inside the building. So they'll find a way to minimize that. They'll talk about the guys that are there, but they'll have picked a lane and have another option or two by that point. If not, then it's kind of shame on them. Randy Mueller, uh, man, we, we, really I, I really wish I could do this for you for five hours every week because it is always <laughs> so insightful. It's called a podcast. Right. Well, he does one of those with yeah. The Athletic. You should check that out. Of course, at Randy Mueller underscore on Twitter. 
Uh, is there anything else I can plug for you, my friends? No, I'm good. I'm all good. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's Thanks. always good to visit with football minds. I learned something too, so don't don't think it's one way. That's for sure, Randy. Thank all, you, Randy. Truly appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. All right, guys, take care. Randy Mueller with us here on GCR. He's a great guy. He's a ten and a half. Great he's guess. a ten and a half. I when I was trying to find a couple years ago, I was looking for a former GM. You know, you just have guys that I had called upon in the past that yeah. that maybe did, Phil Savage, for example, took a job with the Jets. Right. And Phil Savage was always someone that all of us would call upon for that type of insight. And when he took the job with the Jets, he was like, "Guys, I love you. I just I can't. I can't do it anymore. Right? right? Like I'm not allowed to." So I, I brought up, I was like, hey, I see Randy Mueller tweets about the NFL sometimes. And I got a message from our friend Chris Pica, who said, trust oh, me. Oh, he knew him from New, New Orleans. Orleans. Said, the best person you'll ever, like, you will never come across somebody that you will enjoy talking to more than Randy yeah. Mueller. So I, I have appreciated that relationship over the years. It's been really b- fruitful. Um, Stan, I want to spend a minute uh, because we we lost a legend yesterday. And Griffin, if you don't mind, of course, uh, I think Maryland fans associate the great Billy Packer significantly. Yeah, yeah I saw it late last night. With, um, with a couple. I mean, obviously he was on the call when Maryland won the national championship, but maybe even more famously than that. And that a trigger warning, Stan, because I know you're also a Duke fan. But uh, one of the great moments in Maryland basketball history that Billy Packer was, uh, was part of the call for. Hmm? Okay. Only five in the final minute of this first half. Lake, a rare attempt, and he kisses it off the glass. Not a good job by Duhon defensively that time. Steve Blake took him to school with a good shoulder and head fake. First points for Blake. Remember, of course, they're just dribbling down to a final shot. Don't they, Dick, at halftime here? One second differential, but Duke playing in, in essence for the final shot of the half. Solid screen, Blake Wilcox. Blake knows exactly what's coming up. Coach Gay says, hold up. Oh, he And Williams caught looking at his coach, and Blake scores! Oh, my! That's good. That's good, Griffin. So the two things that everybody always associates Billy Packer with, oh, he steal, right? Of course, everybody remembers this was the final Maryland-Duke game at Cole Fieldhouse, the year that Maryland would go on to win the national championship. Maybe the most incredible atmosphere I've ever seen for a Maryland bat. I mean, it was just absolute insanity in that building. Maryland had played a great first half. They're up big late. And then Jason Williams turns to look at Mike Krzyzewski and Steve Blake. I had forgotten, because everybody remembers Ohi Steele, the anticipation of Billy Packer, seeing it before Dick Enberg did. Like, Mm -hmm. seeing... Dude, are you, do you realize what's about to happen? But he called it even before that. He said, Blake knows exactly what's about to come. Interesting. He was all over that call. That call. Yeah. Billy Packer yeah. was all over the call of that legendary play in Maryland basketball history. I, I had a really great experience. It's only one. Uh, and I for, for the life of me, I can't remember where it was, but it was somewhere in Baltimore – he was a special speaker at this okay. event. And I went up to him afterwards and introduced myself, and I said, how well did you know Charlie Ekman? And it brought a smile to his face, and he goes, I, I love Charlie. He was unbelievable. I said, we did a profile in Press Box. I said, would you like me to mail you a copy of it? He goes, I would love to read that. 
and I I mailed it to him. He gave me his address. I mailed it to him, and about three weeks later or two weeks later, I got the nicest note about what a great story it was and what it brought back these memories. And it was something that I really treasured. And somehow in all the moves and the floods, mm. I don't know. I mm. I don't have it anymore. Because mm. that was something that meant a lot That's to me. That's really cool. Because Billy Packer was the man. Oh, was the voice of college yeah. basketball. Yeah. was absolutely, you associated, you know, Bill Raftery has kind of moved a little bit into that role. And obviously Dick Vitale, you know, via ESPN. Dick Vitale ESPN. Came, came closest. Right. But Billy was the, the best. He, and, you know, I go back. When the games were brought to you by Jefferson Pilot, no doubt the, the yeah. ACC games, and it was Billy Packer and Jim Thacker. Wow, Thacker was the play-by-play wow. guy. So it was Thacker and Packer every Saturday. I looked forward to those ACC matchups. Wow, yeah. of course uh, they would air on what channel forty-five locally, I or think channel, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. They would. They, I mean, that was the way that the Jefferson Pilot thing worked. Is they would take a they would. Essentially, they wouldn't buy time, but I think they would trade time yep. with um, with a local TV station. Yep. Uh, Billy Packer, you know, yeah, obviously. I was like, sort of stunned last night when I saw that he died because I haven't thought about it. And that's him the thing, he had been separated from the sport for long yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of controversy in there, some things that I, were, were debatable. He had famously, when Allen Iverson was at Georgetown, he used the term tough monkey. But And, and immediately, of course, when you hear that, you yeah. immediately assume... Now he attempted to say afterwards, like that. I, I really has nothing to do with him being black. I'm trying to describe kind of the, the way that he's moving. It's, it's thoughtless, yeah, but not racist, right? right. Like it's not. I'm, I'm not trying to use it as a derogatory yeah. term. It was a mistake for sure. No matter what, it's the type of thing that you have to think about in those moments and go out of your way to not say those types of things. And Billy Packer, as he got older, was kind of shifted out of some of the the big college basketball coverage, and then. You know, at that point, kind of said, I, "I don't, I don't." Unlike some guys who would say, "Oh, I'll take an assignment to go do something else," he just didn't feel yeah, any yeah. interest in doing that once he was moved off of the biggest games. Yeah. But what you just said is so important, which is he was college basketball broadcasting. Like he was when there was a big time college basketball event, Billy Packer was involved. Yeah, in and it. you knew that the guys like Enberg and eventually Jim Nance wanted him on their broadcast. Correct, yeah. 100%. Um, so, uh, of course, uh, Billy's son Mark is still very involved in broadcasting. I like Mark a lot. He's a great guy. Have you had him on before? I. It's been a few years. I. You know, it's funny. When I worked at XM, I got to know him a little bit because right. um, he was doing a show there. Now he's, he's sort of specifically ACC, so there's not right. a lot of – you know, reason for us to to talk to Mark Packer, but I like Mark. Yeah, we ended up you know at, at a few events together, Army Navy games, things like right. that, and I got to hang out with Mark and yeah. really like him a lot. I never, I've never met him. I know. and I never knew Billy. Like I think I had a conversation with Billy Packer right. in, at a young point in my career. I never you know had a, a rapport or relationship whatsoever with him. But well, when I opened that, that oh, card thanking that's me so for cool. sending him the Ekman piece. You know. Uh, By the way, and the least surprising thing ever that he would have an affinity for Charlie Ackman. Yeah, like that absolutely one thousand percent. And he probably hadn't been asked about Charlie Ackman. You got the sense, like nobody's asked me about in Charlie Ackman or in, you in know twenty five years, right? Or like no that. doubt about it. Uh, safe home, Billy Packer. Yeah. What a remarkable life he lived, and uh, and certainly an impact that he left on uh, that sport. 
All right, Stan the Fan Charles is with us here in studio on a Friday edition of GCR. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Dan Wilcox is going to join us next. We'll get his perspective on how things kind of came apart for the Ravens and what they should be looking for in an offensive coordinator. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. It's the perfect time to sign the young basketball fan in your life up for a membership in the Retriever Kids Club. It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It makes a great gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kids club for more info. Membership is available for kids 12 and under in the Retriever Kids Club. Again, umbcretrievers.com slash kids club. The latest edition of Press Box is available now and it's our annual best of issue on the cover we recognize orioles catcher adley rutschman as our 2022 mo gabba sports person of the year and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in baltimore was simultaneous with the birds turnaround also inside we recognize the top people performances and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Looking for some excitement in the new year? Laurel Park has plenty of live horse racing events to spice things up this January. The much-anticipated winter meet kicks off on January 1st, plus we've got special MLK Holiday Racing on Monday, January 16th, and the Winter Carnival Stakes on Saturday, January 21st. Winter may be cold, but the racing at Laurel Park is hot. Learn more about upcoming January events by visiting laurelpark.com. That first sip... That first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Bullet. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show, too. Today's show also brought... I brought it up on the show, by the way, yesterday. I was very nervous about uh, meeting my son's teacher. I was like, I'm very apprehensive. Turns out everything's okay. Everything's all right. So that is <laughs> that is the good news, because I anxiety was real yesterday. I'd just be happy the teacher doesn't have a crush yeah, that son. is that is good news. That yeah. would be a really awkward situation to be in. Oh, my. All right. Hey, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 
If you missed it yesterday, Stan and I made our picks for championship weekend. You can find it right now, pressboxonline.com slash video. We are um, we're in a unique spot, Stan and I, when it comes to uh, this contest that we've been doing for the postseason. So I'm not going to give any of it away. Again, go to pressboxonline.com slash video. And you can Clans see. Runs ahead right now, eleven to seven. But you have more points on the table. I have ten. I have the potential to win the Super Bowl. Exactly you have the right. Poten- we both have the potential to have the losing team, that which is, is worth five points. All correct. I, I, I worry that this I know time, a thing or two about picking losers. I worry uh, you're talking <laughs> to the chief loser. I worry that this contest on our picks is so hard to explain. I hope I'm doing a good enough job. I I think the point. I think you made the most important points of it known. Okay. I have the lead right now. Yep. You have more points to be had than I do. That's where we are with it, that. Which would only be a help to me if, if the 49ers if you, win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. But then you would also. You know, I'm not giving anything else yeah, away. Yeah. Got to go watch Gotta the go video. Watch you can find it yeah. there. Uh, always, you know, speaking of friends, of course, we just had Randy Mueller on. This man has been a friend, stand, I, such a friend over the years that once upon a time, he messaged us when we were getting ready to go, when Drew and I were going to do broadcast from the Super Bowl in Miami, he was living in Atlanta and he messaged the week before said, Hey, you guys going down to the Super Bowl? And we said, yeah. And I said, in fact, it's, it's Drew's birthday on Wednesday. He said, well, I'm going to surprise him. And he drove overnight from Atlanta to come do the show with us oh, that's, on that's, a Wednesday morning in Miami. That's very special. That's what kind of human being our next guest is. He is, of course, a former Ravens Bo Titan. Bo Smolka, right? Uh, Bo Smolka's <laughs> partner. <laughs> Just kidding. Former Ravens tight end and now the Believe in Ravens podcast. He is the great Dan Wilcox, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Dan, it's Glenn, my friend Stan the Fan, here in studio with me this morning. Always great to catch up, buddy. Hope you're doing well. Man, Stan, Glenn, thank you guys for having me on as usual. Always, Glenn, great to hear from you, man. Miss you guys. Love you, brother. You know that. Yeah, absolutely one of the best people I've ever known. Dan, I I guess let's, you know, just because you and I haven't chatted since it all kind of came apart, I know how high you were about this football team this season. It, it's yeah. so unique what happened this year, right? Like, how how do you handle the disappointment of it seemed like there was something there, Losing your quarterback, nobody can overcome that except maybe the San Francisco 49ers, oddly. Um, you know, just the, the disappointment of the way things played out for this team. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely disappointed. I, I wanted to see the Ravens go all the way, take it all the way there. I just felt like it's a Super Bowl caliber team. Uh, one of the best teams I've seen out there on paper. It looks great. Um, of course, they started out really slow with defense this season, and offense was booming at first, and then offense started to slow down, and and all of a sudden it kind of came to a screeching halt. No offense at all. And then the defense by midseason had no kind of figured everything out. Everybody got used to each other. All the new additions and stuff got plugged in. And Mike McDonald was looking great as a defensive coordinator, as a rookie defensive coordinator this year. And the defense finished on a high note and the offense finished on a low note. And even the game, man, the last game we played, I mean, you know, I, I already said going into that game, Tyler Hunt, he would have to play a perfect game in order to, to be able to win that game. And, you know, unfortunately, he had the interception and then the fumble on the one-yard line, man. That kind of cost them. But I mean, it just, it's just a, a, a missed opportunity. I felt like we had some coaching issues all season long. Um, the Greg Roman thing did not surprise me at all. I think yeah. I felt like it's been a long time coming. Sometimes you hold on to people a little bit too long because they're good people and great people. And I, I don't think Greg Roman is a bad coach at all. I think he had a, hell of a heck of an offense. I just think the Ravens needed to go in a different direction because it, I felt like it was limiting Lamar. And he needed to be developed. He need, still needs to be developed. You know, I, I just told somebody this yesterday, Glenn. Um, 
the quarterback at University of Georgia right now, Stetson Bennett, you know, he's, he's 25 years old, just won his second national title, and Lamar is 25 years old. He was four-year star in the NFL. So you got one of the youngest quarterbacks out there in the game, and he still has a long, a lot of football left in, left in, um, left ahead of him. You know, so you need to put somebody in there that can uh, allow him to develop and grow the right way, and I think he's the face of your franchise for the next 10 years. Dan, I wanted to go there. Like specifically, what would you be looking for? What kind of offense do you want? What what type of coordinator are you looking for if you were John Harbaugh trying to fill this role right now? <clears throat> Me personally, I think I would go to a variation of spread with zone read, with zone outside inside zone and zone read options. You know, and just come up with something a little bit more dynamic, man. Um, but spread offense still allows you to do everything, everything that you're doing right now. You can still do the zone read stuff, and you can still do the um, outside inside zone stuff uh, where you have a two back or a one back set and three four wides outside and you know a tight end etc etc but I, it, to me he just needs to go to a base spread offense where he can spread guys out get guys outside the box and allow his runs to kind of actually happen naturally but his whole your whole offense can't be based around Lamar Jackson running the ball you know his runs need to happen you know more naturally because he's that dynamic of a guy if you spread guys out they can't load the box up. They got to cover those guys in the slot, you know, four wides or three wides with a tight flex. And then, um, you know, one running back in the backfield that allows you to be able, you know, now to spread teams out a little bit. And if lanes open up for him to take off and run, he can take off and run naturally. And then you can have one or two design runs in the off zone read or three or four of those off zone read that allows him to be dynamic still and still kind of do the things that he's doing with his legs. I think he's a talented enough quarterback where he can throw the ball on short routes and medium, intermediate routes and deep balls. He has a really nice touch on his deep balls where he can start hitting some of those and converting those things more often. But when you base your whole offense around running the ball, you know, it kind of limits him as a development as, – as, as it limits his development as a passer. Daniel, I wanted to go down the path. I, I asked this question of Randy Mueller a few mo- moments ago from a, from a GM's perspective or team perspective – I want to know from your perspective as a player um, the complications that would happen or arise with with him getting the franchise tag and then denying the club his his in all the way through training camp and really working with the new uh, offensive coordinator. How complicating can that be? Okay, say that question one more time, Steve. I'm All sorry, right, I know it was a little long-winded. I wanted to make sure I got it out. The complications that could arise if if Lamar is tagged and then won't come to training camp or the off-season during stuff during the off-season stuff, and he doesn't right. show, and you got a new offensive coordinator. How complicating can that be for the team to be able to play at its maximum ability? Well, I don't, I don't think he'll hold out if he gets tagged. I just think they need to hurry up and tag him if that's what you're going to do. Don't don't drag this thing out. If you're not going to give him the money that he wants, you already know what he wants because he came to the table and sat down with you last year. Right. So now he knows what he wants. Know want. Either give him what he wants or franchise tag him right now. I don't think he would risk holding out once he gets tagged and, you know, he gets his $40 million or $45 million up front. You know, I don't think he'll hold out. You know, I really don't. I think he'll that's he understands the dynamic of what it's going to take for this team to, to grow and get to the next level. Um, so I think once they tagged him, if they did it early enough, then he will report to camp on time to do everything he got to do to learn a new offense. You know, I, w- I was one of those guys that had to learn a new offense every single season for nine seasons in the NFL. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't fun, man. It wasn't fun. So 
That's it's a whole new language because like you're learning Spanish, like you're you right. speak English predominantly, and then they put it in Spanish. Now you got to learn Spanish, and once you get it, then all of a sudden now you got to learn French. Well, it's interesting. You know, so it, it's interesting to hear that perspective because Randy was kind of a different perspective. Right. You're sort of saying it behooves him to to keep his value up by participating with the team and being able to play at his highest level. Absolutely. Plus, he's the quarterback. If yep. he don't know what's going on, if he comes to camp late and he, he, he's behind everybody else, it's not a good feel for him. He don't feel it. I mean, he'll feel too much pressure. I think mentally, in his mind, if he was to get the franchise tag, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be something that he wants. You know, but at the same time, he's going to get there as early as he can so he can do what he has to do in order to play. You know, um, and the franchise tag isn't all, it, it isn't all that bad. It just doesn't give you any stability. If I get yeah. hurt this year, you know, and it's the season and the injury, I have nothing guaranteed. I'm still putting myself on my life on the line, you know, for 40 million. So I'm, you know, after taxes, 40 million is only what, 22, 23 mil. Most people are like, I can live. That's all yeah, I need. Yeah, I, I take but, it, Dan, for the record. Yeah, yeah. But Dan, you, Dan this what people don't realize. What people don't realize is, like, Lamar Jackson is, is almost equivalent to, like, a Deion Sanders. You know, he can't just live anywhere. He can't just be anywhere. So he's going to have to pay a premium dollar for security and, and for that focus of being able to have an elite neighborhood to stay in that's gated and, and his house is gated with probably security. You know, he just can't go live in some apartments or go live in any old regular suburb and think that he's going to be safe. You know, people are going to mess with him. He, he's, a, he's, he's too much of a star, too much of a celebrity. He has star Fair. power. So. Yeah, he has to figure that thing out. Not not to get too complicated on this, you realize the relationship isn't perfect right now. You know, some would say it's fractured, contentious. But what if the club franchised him and then paid the premium for an insurance policy? Would that would that help the player feel more warmly about the organization that they're looking out for my my long term stability? It depends on what the insurance policy is. Yeah. You know, if the insurance policy is guaranteed me if I was to get hurt and I would never play again, I'm taking care of the rest of my life, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that definitely makes me feel better. You okay. know, why not? You know, and sometimes you got to come up with creative solutions for yeah. these things, you know. So, you know, if you give me 100, I think last year they offered them 130 guaranteed. Right. And when you got guys like Kyler Murray and Sean Watson getting 200 million guaranteed, you know, it's kind of a slap in the face. You know, especially when you you feel like you're a better quarterback than right. those guys. So you definitely it is it is fractured a little bit, but even fractures heal. He is Dan Wilcox. He's fractures with us here. I, there is that is true. There's no doubt about it. Dan Wilcox with us here on GCR. Uh, Dan, everybody in Baltimore is hot and bothered about the idea of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, we were told earlier by Jeremy Fowler of ESPN it, it might really just be a, a a third round pick that could land you DeAndre Hopkins at this point. It would probably still be tough to do if. The Ravens do have to pay Lamar on the franchise tag next year, but is he the answer that the Ravens are looking for? Is this the guy that you say, even if he's going past 30 years old, you say this is what you need? This is sort of the missing piece for what the Ravens have been trying to build offensively. Absolutely. I mean, I love D-Hop. You know, so ever since the video when he was going against the Redskins and training camp, he said, I fear God, homie. From that point on, I was a D-Hop fan, you know. When a guy, when he got your star receiver and he only fear God, you you don't want to mess with him, you know. And to me, you need somebody that's going to get out there and give you a little bit of edge on on, on offense, the same way you got a guy you brought in like Roquan Smith to give you a little edge on defense, you know. So you got to bring somebody like D-Hop in, man, that'll get get these young receivers boiling and going and, 
and put that pressure on these on these DBs. I mean, you got elite DBs on the opposite side of the ball. They need that pressure. If they're going to get better. They need somebody that's going to put that pressure on them every day. If you can guard D Hop out there with Bateman and all the rest of those guys, man, I think I think it changes the dynamic of the offense a little bit. Plus, it gives Lamar a little bit less, you know, worries about what he's going to do as far as getting rid of the ball. I mean, and look at this for example, like Flacco's rookie year. You know, was my last season. Yep. And we had Derek Mason on the outside. Derek Mason was a savvy bet. He was older. He was a 30-year-old guy. You know, and Mason was phenomenal. You know, one-on-one, can nobody guard Mason. I don't care who you are, DB-wise. We literally would go max protect. Everybody stayed in the protective Flacco and only put in a one-man route with Mace for over half the season. And that got us enough where we was able to go get to the AFC Championship that, that game, that, that year, and put us in a situation where we had a chance to go play for the Super Bowl. You know, we literally would max protect. That means both tight ends, me, Heat, would stay in and block. You know, McGahee would stay in and block. You know, Lorenzo Neal would stay in and block. Mark Clayton would have to stay in and block. We would motion him down. He would sit on the edge of the line to help tilt. Whatever we had to do to protect Flacco and let Mace run a one-man route, one versus one, and he would throw the ball to Mace and had a high percentage rate as far as completion that year. So, I mean, to me, you do what you got to do in order to win and bring somebody like, D hopping is definitely going to put us in another atmosphere. I mean, we're in utter agreement. The problem is, I just don't know why there wouldn't be more teams that would want the exact same thing. Like, I'm just still struggling that he would be available for that that cheaper price because he's literally DeAndre Hopkins, and I just can't fathom why more people wouldn't want him. Uh, what you got to tell you about this weekend? Uh, two really good games. Two, you know, I, the, the Vegas thinks they're very close match games. What you got to tell you about how these title games play out this weekend? All right, tell me the two teams that are playing the two teams real quick, Glenn. Tell me. So I know it's San, I know San Fran's in. I know Philly's in. San Fran and Philly Ooh. and Kansas City, Cincinnati. Dang, boy. Woo. Yeah. That's some good football. Right? So, Kansas City and Cincinnati, that's going to be a freaking bloodbath. <laughs> to me, that game, you're going to have to you're gonna have to get ejected. You're going to have to get somebody <laughs> to get ejected that game. Somebody's going to have to get kicked off that game. And it's going to have to be a situation where you're trying to set the standards. You're going to get so you got to tell one of your guys like, hey, if they send Jamar Chase or T Higgins across the middle, you got to take them out. Hmm. You, you got to take them out. You got to set the standard. And then on the Kansas City side, you got—I mean, on the on the on the Cincinnati side, man, hey, we got we're going we're going to take the 15 yard penalty. We're going to set the tone. You just got to let people know that you're not coming across the middle. You got to get anything easy today. You know, he come take the penalty. We'll take the 15 yard or we'll take the ejection. Dan, Dan, Daniel just explained how I could still lose on the DraftKings offer. <laughs> DraftKings is offering if you bet $5 on a quarterback, yeah. one of the two starting throwing quarterbacks, more than one yard. throwing more than one yard, you win $150. But Dan one gets ejected correct. and one gets hurt correct. before they gain a yard. He is, he is, he I'm is telling quick. you right now. <laughs> Man. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's the only way. It's like you have to you, – in, the, in these type of games, you have to set the tempo. You have to set the mindset that we're not giving you nothing cheap. It's going to be a long game today, and you're going to have to earn everything you get. you got to be physical at the line of scrimmage. Your DBs got to be ready to just rob and steal every freaking thing. they got to be physical on these receivers early on in, life, early on in the game and get their hands on them early, be physical, you know, slap them upside the head once or twice. Everything that you can do illegal and get away with it, do it. So, you know, they say if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So, I, by the way, this sounds like a Raven Steelers game from years ago, which which yeah. brings me. I'm gonna, that's, that's, 
I, I want exactly to. need to be. I want to leave you with this, Dan, because you were you were on the team, if I remember correctly, when it happened. Uh, yeah. There, there are a lot of you know it's mock draft season, and a lot of the so-called yeah. experts have mocked one player to the Baltimore Ravens at number twenty-three, and I'm wondering how it would make this city respond if Joey Porter Jr. was drafted <laughs> by the Baltimore Ravens. Do you feel like Joey Porter Jr. could be a Baltimore Raven? Absolutely, man. Joey uh, Porter was always a Raven. Even though he had on the black and gold in Pittsburgh bro. and Steelers, man, he was always a Raven at heart. You know, he was our, he was our type of player, just like James Harrison. James yes, Harrison but I'll was never Raven, be able to forgive up, him. I'll never be able to forgive him what he did to Todd Heap, my friend. I'll never be able to forgive that. Yeah, I mean, I'll never be able to forgive him what he did to Todd Heap either. But still, <laughs> at the point of the matter was, if he was a Raven, you would have felt good about that, that play. That probably is true. He was, yeah, yeah, if there was a Raven doing that to a Steeler, you'd be like, yeah, he's, he's a Raven for life. Oh, you know, God. so be a James Harrison, a James Farrier, uh, Joey Porter, all those guys were Ravens. They were Raven-type players. You know, those Steeler players, they could have came over and played for us, man, and, and we would have loved them just the same because they got that same mentality we got. It's a grudge match. Yeah. You know, so you got I, I give respect to a lot of the Steeler players. You know, James Harrison is a good friend of mine. He was teammates with me over in Germany yeah. when I played in NFL Europe. You know, and um, he came back. They actually released James to sign me. Probably yeah. one of the biggest mistakes Ravens ever made, <laughs> you know. But, you know, James, man, I love James to death. And you couldn't tell me that he wouldn't have been the guy that you guys would have fell in love with if he was a Raven. Oh, I, that, you, I actually brought that up the other day when, when we were talking about hated Ravens. Uh, my producer is a little bit younger. He was like, well, what about James Harrison? I said, no, we actually kind of respected James Harrison around here. Yeah. We were really just disappointed yeah. the Ravens let him go, honestly. It's what it, the way we feel about it. And then, you know, people say that, say that all the time. You know, they let you, they let, they let James Harrison go to bring you in. They let James Harrison go because they had dope linebackers already. They That's already true. had Terrell yes. Suggs, Mark Skyler, Ray. Yep. They had really, really dope Jared Johnson. They had dope linebackers already. They let him go because the guy, they was comfortable with the guys that they had, but they needed a tight end, you know. So they let him go to bring in me, and they kept the rest of the linebackers they had at the time. Yep. And un unfortunately for James, he didn't get a chance to stay healthy long enough over in Germany to really show the Ravens that he was legit good. He got hurt. He ended up he he, he left um, Germany early to come back to to the States because he got injured. You know, he was allocated by the Ravens, so they didn't get a chance to only see I think they only saw him play two games before he ended up back home. What could have been? What could have been? Uh, to your point, the Ravens Absolutely. definitely had good linebackers. There's no debate about that. Absolutely. At Coach Absolutely. Wilcox on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, the Believe in Ravens podcast with he and our friend Bo Smolka. Dan, love you, brother. Always always good talking with you. Let's do it again soon, all right? Absolutely, Glenn. Stan, th thank, thank you, guys, thank man. Thank you, Daniel. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, Glenn, you see Drew, tell him I said what's popping. I, I will do that for I'll, sure. I know he would say the exact same. All right, buddy. Man, I'm, co I'm coming up for the beach bash this summer, man. Awesome. So I'll, I'll oh, get we'll get together. Yes, let's make that happen. We'll plug We'll plug in. That's awesome. I look forward to that, man. Thank you, Dan. Yep, in June. In June. Now. Don't put it on your schedule, on your schedule, Glenn. Go hit, the, go hit Ocean City with Dan Wilcox, man. That'll be a time. I'm looking forward to that. Let's All right. do it. All right, buddy. Let's do it. Let's see. You. All right. Dan Wilcox with us here on GCR. I love that guy. Um, interesting, you know, I, and I should have reacted to what uh, Randy Mueller said when you asked him about. Like, that was, to me, a really interesting perspective about – it's not as big of a deal as you're making it out to be. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that, and then to hear the difference of opinion from right. a former player that's saying, "No, he'll he'll participate. He won't want to be." I feel like at this point, the the players' association would say, "Even if you want to, you can't." Like we, you have to because the players' association is trying to fight 
franchise tags tooth and nail. I feel like there has been some pressure that has come down from the Players Association. Maybe not that you have to hold out for the entirety of it, right. but you have to make some sort of statement. You have to say something to penalize them for using the tag because we're trying to fight the existence of, of the, the tag. tag. Yep. Um, but I get what Dan's trying to say, which is you, know, you get your your $40 million and you, you still want to get a contract after this. You don't want to put yourself in a spot where you look worse in the process and where it hurts you long term because of it. What do you what that. do you think of my idea? A plan I don't know what the rules are for that. It's yeah. the only thing I, I on it, presented surface value makes all or surface level makes all the sense in the world, right? Like that and, if you're going to go what you do is maybe you you would you would ensure up to the level that would have compensated the con- them to the guaranteed money. Yes, you know, like yes. So you'd pay the Ravens would pay him forty three or forty four right. million, and then and then they'd spend maybe seven or eight more million right. dollars on an insurance policy that would cover that him for a hundred. That yeah, that would and, cover a hundred and twenty million dollars or something like that. I, I think it would help if yeah. you're going to go that route. Still, it doesn't help your cap, right? Like still. Well, I wonder if it's it would be considered compensation. No, I I I, I don't know the rules about that. Oh, I'm just okay. saying, still okay. in, gen- okay. in general, okay. having Lamar play on the franchise tag is not, is, is, is injurious is to your really cap. killer for the cap. Yeah, like yeah. it's just really killer for the cap to have it all soaked up at one time. I don't know what happened to my phone. Can you pass Griffin, uh, our buddy Heisty's phone number, so he can try oh, to sure. give him a call? I, sure. I have no idea where my phone is this morning. Hopefully I didn't leave it over at 105.7 The Fan when I stopped by this morning. I hope I still have it somewhere, either in here or in my car or something like that. Stand uh, Not right now, but like after the show, I might have you give me a call. Our buddy Craig... Our buddy Craig Heist is celebrating a birthday today. What's he like? Like seventy-eight? I mean, my guy. If you're seventy-one, I'm seventy-one. Yeah, just just see if he answers. Like he won't recognize the number if he if he does. Just say, hey, you know, Craig. It's great to wish you. Yeah, we we sing a song. The guys just wanted to. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, he's got to be a thousand. Sixty. Probably. You think this is sixty? Well, he was the same age as Preston and um, and Mittermeier, roughly. I didn't know that because they went to school together. I had no idea. All three of them. How yeah. about that? How about that? What kind of uh, class must that have been? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Can you imagine what the Jesus. teachers had to deal with with Preston? All th- yeah, all three. Well, just heist alone, for what yeah. it's worth. Just that, the one person alone there would probably have been enough for any teacher to add in all three of them. My God. Um, I did have a couple things I wanted to get to with you before we wrap up for the day. If if you want to send him a text and just see, we'll, we'll you give it a minute before if we wrap it doesn't up. Doesn't answer. Don't worry about it's it. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Just to see if we could do it at some point this morning. Um, uh, so a, a couple of things very quickly. We talked obviously about the Orioles trading for Cole Irvin. So that that has happened. You brought up, you know, and we discussed some of the stuff related to John Angelos, and I don't, I don't feel like I have a whole lot more to say about it, just because we're kind of in the same place that we've been in related to John Angelos and the Angelos family situation that until there's something, I feel like there were people, there were two things that popped up this week that I thought relevant stories. I think there are people that wonder if it gets to a point where somehow major league baseball finds a way to compel them to sell that. It's so it's such a bad look that major league baseball says we have to intervene in some way and try to compel you to sell the team. I just don't know. I don't know that a family squabble rises to the rises to the level. Yeah, this isn't Donald of Sterling, Frank McCourt, right. Frank McCourt 
who yeah. they were using that they were using the Dodgers capitalization to fund this wild lifestyle that they had with 12, 14 houses around the world and everything like that. They were putting the Dodgers at risk, you know, their their um, financial risk by doing that. You know, this doesn't seem like the the Orioles are in any danger. You know, they allowed Fred Wilpon, the Wilpons, when Bernie Madoff uh, scotted right. with a bunch of their money, yeah. uh, they allowed them to. So I don't think there's a precedent for a family squabble as long as they're comfortable with the person that's leading the franchise right now, which they are, um, John Angelus. I, I think that's fair. There was an interesting string of tweets that was sent out this week by someone named Eric Fingerhut. I don't know anything about Eric Fingerhut. And it sounds like a terrible place to go get a pizza. Is that your local Fingerhut? I don't think I want to do that. Uh, apparently, Chelsea Janes and Barry Sverluga did a chat for the Washington Post. Okay. And said, Chelsea Janes said the following. This is about the Masson situation. Dispute, yeah. The problem is that the contract basically called for the Orioles to own the television rights in perpetuity and binds all signatories, including MLB, to make sure that all future buyers of the Nationals commit to adhere to the agreement that assigns Baltimore those rights in perpetuity. In retrospect, I think just about everyone in baseball thinks the agreement was absurd. But now what we are hearing from MLB is that Manfred and company do not believe they have caused to rip it all up and start over, which is something the Orioles would obviously rather not have happen because of the way the agreement benefits them. Essentially saying that Major League Baseball is just kind of acknowledging there's not a whole lot we can do. We've gone through this for years, and there's not quietly that felt like someone acknowledging that maybe the mess and dispute might finally be coming to an end just because Major League Baseball has gotten to a point where they said, Look, we, we've we made this contract. This is what it is. Yeah. We've we've done everything. We've gone to a thousand different, you know, arbiters. At the end of the day, the the the, the contract is the contract. It says in perpetuity. Like what there's just nothing we can do with this. Point. Right. But the courts have found that the Orioles owe them the Nationals. A right, that's still pretty part of chunky th- because as part of the agreement, yeah. they were, you know, obviously supposed to be pay- paying the Nationals. I, I think the way this works out eventually and it would be great to get like a Marty Conway on to talk about this mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. somebody like that, uh, is that that somehow the $100 million that the Orioles supposedly owe the Nationals sort of magically goes away and or, or a large chunk of it. Okay. And the, the deal becomes that Masson exists and Ted Leonsis – is able to open up his own regional sports network or with or, with nationals rights with nationals rights. Yeah, I would think that, that would have to cost more than a hundred million dollars, wouldn't it? To give up in you have in perpetuity the rights to their TV market. I would think the price of but that. But the courts are the courts have penalized the Ravens of uh, the, the Orioles, Orioles right. for to a large extent that they really yeah correct that they've. They, they haven't have bargained give, in good faith. Correct. They have you know. not exactly right. Like yeah. that part, they haven't given the Nationals their fair chunk yeah. of the rights that, yeah. that you own. Like it's not the Orioles get to profit 100%. They, the Nationals still get to get some. They get like th- like 28% correct. or 31%, something but like that. But the Orioles, 
still stand to benefit yeah. from having from owning the rights over the years. It's an it would be a great topic to get some guests uh, to come on. It's with been us. it's been such a it's 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 one of those ones that stand like I just am so exhausted by it's right. Exa- that, it's, like, it I've, is exhausting. You know? I've I've almost given up on it because I've been so exhausted by it over the well, years. You have to rem- you have to remember for all those people that think it's just as simple as tearing it up. The, the Orioles, when when they owned the market, yes. when the Nationals didn't exist, the Orioles used to draw 2.8 Correct. to 3.2, 3.3 million. Those days are over. So how do the Orioles get accurately, uh, adequately compensated for losing, you know, uh, a million fans a year over 20, 30 years? And, of course— now, now a lot of people say, "Well, wait a minute. If Peter Angelos had run a better ship and really tried to put out a winning product, those years when we were given Sammy Sosa yep. signing Delino De Shields, you know, De Shields, if he had put out a better product, he wouldn't have seen his attendance go, you know, down the toilet." Well, that's well and good, but the bottom line is now the Nationals draw, on average. Probably a million fans more than the Orioles a year, mm-hmm. roughly, and uh, you know it's just not a, it's it, it has injured the Orioles' market share tremendously. There's no question about it. There's I I agree, and that's I just, what that's what the imbalance of the deal correct. for Masson was supposed to accomplish. Is, I, and and I get why everybody in D.C. would say, but this is unfair for right. for us, right? Well, well, what happened was when they when they made this deal, correct? They were television s- rights were going for like twelve, fifteen million a year, something like that per team, and then suddenly the Texas Rangers. A- Went to eighty yep, million, massive boom, and it is a massive boom that hadn't been. Well, and it's been brought up by a few people. Like, does the contract also cover streaming rights? Because at some point in the next few years, cable is gonna die. Right, like it's going to. Ha- I'm not saying the next two, three right. years, right, but, but over the next decade, probably even before you're gone, Stan. Yeah, like, yeah. probably even like we're not even talking about like in my. Oh, life, I'm not going anywhere. No, Stan. <laughs> Yeah, Stan is going to be. I'm saying never like, heard anybody say it quite that. But way. you know what I mean, right? Yes, like I'm yes. not saying 50 years down the road. Right, I'm right. saying at some point in the next 10 to 15 years, Cable's cable is be, going yeah. to die entirely. Right. And when it does, the contract I'm assuming that was written in perpetuity didn't touch on streaming. Right. So correct. Like, what does that mean? Can the Major League Baseball's out be? Look, when we get away from cable, this is no longer, you know, a, a, an issue. Correct. Like, I, I don't know. I don't have I don't those know. answers. I don't know. All right. We are winding down for a Friday edition of the program. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit of the day is brought to you today by UMBC Basketball. The UMBC women are home tomorrow afternoon, taking on Vermont. The men back home next Wednesday night against Binghamton. Get your tickets by going to UMBCRetrievers.com. And wouldn't you know it, lacrosse season is literally just around the corner. In fact, uh, we're going to do our annual lacrosse preview show next Tuesday with all of the area coaches. But start thinking about UMBC lacrosse, getting out to check out the Retrievers. They've got um, a lot of local rivalry games. Towson's coming to UMBC this year. So you want to get your tickets for those as well, UMBCRetrievers.com. I got a Santi Aldama 
Uh, I love me some here. Santi Aldama. Yeah, so uh, so this is he, him and his teammate Jaron Jackson Jr. for the Grizzlies are doing something that has not been done for over 20 years, if they're able to sustain this across the full season. Um, Parker Fleming from Grizzly Bear Blues, SB Nation. Uh, I read it all the time. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. where I get most of oh, my he pointed this out. stuff from Grizzly <laughs> right. Bear Blues. He pointed this out, but among players that have played 500-plus minutes and are 6'11 or taller, Jaron Jackson, Jackson Jr., and uh, Santi Aldama are the first duo since Dirk Nowitzki and Rafe LaFrentz to shoot at least 38% from three uh, while also attempting at least three uh, threes a game. So i got to be honest with you, I didn't remember Rafe LaFrentz ever playing for the, the Mavericks. I don't remember much about Rafe LaFrentz's professional career. Well, they did it in 2001 and 2002, so if uh, Jaron Jackson... I, I mean, I definitely remember him at Kansas. Like yeah. I remember that well, but I don't remember anything about Rafe LaFrentz, the, the professional basketball player. Was he there when Danny Manning was there? No, no, no. It was long gone by that point. Yeah. He was there with um, Drew Gooden, for sure. Okay. was on a, a team okay. with Rafe LaFrentz at one point. I'm trying yeah. to think of who else would have been on this. Probably Perry Ellis, if I had to guess. <laughs> he was still there? Yeah. No, he was. That was, that was just like, that yeah. was his red shirt freshman. Uh, so, yeah, San- Santi is 38.2% from three on three and a half attempts a game. Jaron Jackson, uh, 38.5% on four attempts a game. Oh, he's just a hell of a player, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it was such a joy to uh, watch him play at Loyola. Uh, uh, wish he could have gotten another year out of it, but he was clearly good enough to uh, be a first-round pick yes. in the NBA draft. Uh, and then, so this one also, uh, so Mike Evans, it's kind of older from the NFL season, but I, I, I made it Ravens-related. So Mike Evans uh, had a three-touchdown game late in December for the Bucks. Um, that was his third such game with three receiving touchdowns. I um, mean, he now has three of the six touchdowns, three, three of the six games of Buccaneers receivers in history. So he has half the. You asking me to name what other? No, 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 no. I was, like, was going to make it. I was going to make it Ravens related. So I wanted okay. to see if you can name all the Ravens receivers who have had three, three touchdowns, three receiving, specifically touchdowns. wide receivers. Yes. Well, I know in in a game, or well, I, uh, all, I guess. Yeah, yeah three, they are. They are. All, they're they're all wide receivers. Right. Three. Th- and they had three receiving touchdowns in a game. Mm-hmm. And how many of them are there? There are five. Okay. Well, I know two immediately. Kadri mm-hmm. Smile absolutely did it against Pittsburgh. He, yes, did, he did it, did. if I remember correctly, in one quarter. Uh, sure. I, 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 I trust your memory. memory. I'm yeah, almost memory. certain that he did it all in the third quarter yeah, against the Pittsburgh. Two hundred fifty-eight. It was six the, catches. For Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson did do it in 1996 against the Houston Oilers. I, now I'm gonna struggle with it. I believe Tory did it against the Rams. That is correct. He did it against the St. Louis Rams in 2011. How about Derek Mason? Derek Mason did not do this. Um. So, how about uh? What's the little guy uh that played for Peyton Manning too? Brandon uh, Stokely. Brandon Stokely. Not Brandon no, Stokely. I don't remember that happening. Did did in one of those crazy games that Hollywood Brown end up having three? He did not. Okay. He did not. There's so many of those. Right. Yeah. Like like the Dolphins game that one I year. This, yeah. Stephen Smith. No, not Steve Smith. Derek Alexander. Not Derek Alexander. Now I'm just guessing, guys. Yeah. I, that's I got right. now, Mark Clayton. Uh, not Mark Clayton. Let me give you the year, years. Yeah. These two. Sure. How many are we missing? Two. Two. We're missing two? two more. Missing two. Yeah. One guy did it. In and they had to be wide receivers, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, they they both happened to be wide receivers. Okay. Right. You didn't give me the year. No, I didn't give you the year yet. But you I said you were going to I was, give me the year. I was, I, well, I thought you had no, one. No, you yet. said you were going one to give me the year. One was 2010. One was 2003. 2003 one was. Hang on a second. Extremely so. random. He had one year with the Ravens. 2010 Ravens. The 2010 Ravens. So it wasn't. Would that have been Dante Stallworth? Not Dante Stallworth. 
Would that have been? He was. Shut up. Oh, Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden. Yeah. Yes. Was it a, was it against the Cardinals? No, it was against the Browns. He had a mass. Oh, the Bra- I absolutely remember that. September twenty. I do absolutely you remember that. Good game. memory. Uh, well, he also had a huge game in the second. I remember they were getting their asses handed to them at the half against the Cardinals in a game, and he lit them up. Like went in at halftime and just unloaded. And then they had to come. So this guy played one game. season, two thousand three, with 2003. the Ravens. Two thousand three. That wouldn't have been Kevin his, Johnson. No. Would it have? His nephew is currently Should a Raven. You, Nephew is currently a Raven. <laughs> Not Patrick Johnson. Mm-mm. Nephew is currently who's? So they, sh- they share a last name. D- 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 shut up! All right, all right, sorry. Shut up, you! They share a last name. Shut up! A nephew is currently a Raven, and was a 2003 Raven. Is is Demarcus Robinson Marcus Robinson's nephew? And that I just correct. didn't know that somehow. Yeah. yeah. I Marcus really Robinson didn't know that. Had three touchdowns. I really didn't. Well, was it the Seattle game? Was it when they came from behind? Yes. I should have. Yes, I should have thought of that. Seattle was the game. Didn't even remember. Anthony Wright legendary comeback where they got four touchdowns. Remember Demarcus. Four touchdowns. Famously in that game, they Marcus got they got Robinson. a they got. A, I should have remembered. They got a free timeout, or else they would have never gotten the ball back at the end to go win the game. So that was sort of the famous. They, it was a mistake. They cl- they stopped the clock when they weren't supposed to. Famously in that game. Thrilling comeback for the Ravens against the Seahawks. All right, very good, very good. Yeah, uh, Heisty got back to me. He said he's in studio right now, so he can he cannot. I, take know, a call. I didn't. I didn't know he had a job. Yeah. And I'm kidding. I love. I love. He's got probably love, thirteen jobs. Correct. He works for everybody. Love Heist. Tell him we said happy birthday. All right. All right? Tell him we said that. Let's uh, get a tidbit, or we just did tidbit. Let's get tubular. Tubular is brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now. Adley Rutschman, our Mogaba Sports Person of the Year, is on the cover. And only a couple more weeks for this one on Newsstand Stand uh, until uh, our next issue hits. But obviously a very popular one, our best of issue for 2022. You can go get it for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Here's what's coming up this weekend. Nothing really tonight. Uh, Hoops tomorrow, Big Ten Network, Nebraska-Maryland at 4.30. NBC Sports Washington, William & Mary, and Towson at 4. Why are they playing at 4? I don't like that. I want to take my kids to a game. I might take them to Loyola tomorrow Mm. Uh, because they host Bucknell at 1 o'clock on ESPN+. You do both. I I could, but kids don't. That's not really an option. You like, tell me they're diehard basketball. They fans are diehard basketball fans. They love to do it, but you eat dinner, things like that. Like you got. They, they don't know around. the Towson's on a five-game win streak. Shut up. Or? UMBC Vermont one o'clock. It is a big one, obviously tomorrow one o'clock on ESPN Plus. Navy hosts American at two. Morgan's at Delaware State at four. Coppins at UMES, which suddenly UMES is a real thing. That's at four o'clock tomorrow as well. Uh, overnight tonight, the Australian Open women's final, three a.m. on ESPN. Arena Sabalenka and Elena Rabakina. Again, 3 a.m. for the Australian Open Women's Final. Uh, a lot of good. It's the SEC Big 12 thing this weekend, so a lot of good non-conference college hoops matchups on ESPN throughout the day tomorrow as well. Uh, oh, and, of course, the WWE Royal Rumble. Stan never misses that. That's tomorrow night at 8 on Peacock. On Sunday, NFC Championship game at 3 on Fox, 49ers and Eagles. AFC Championship game at 6.30 on CBS, Bengals, Chiefs. The Australian Open Men's Final is at 3.30 a.m. on Sunday or overnight Saturday. Nova, did you get the bet in? I did not put the you bet in. You dummy. Yeah. You big dummy. You would have felt nervous after there were 12 games in the first set. You would have been like, oh, no. Ease. Ease from there. As Novak Djokovic uh, defeated Tommy Paul, 7-5, 6-1, 6-2 
and so it'll be Djokovic and Sitsipas in the Australian Open final on Sunday morning. Everything else you can find at glennclarkradio.com. Anything non-sports-wise that stands up. Michael B. Jordan on Saturday Night Live. Michael B. Jordan on Saturday Night Live, along with uh, Lil Baby, the musical guest. That's right. And uh, shrinking the Apple TV Plus show with oh, uh, Jason right. Siegel. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Brett Goldstein's in it, and then Harrison Ford has a big part. I'm not sure what Harrison Ford's role is, but he just shows up, and uh, and and he he's got a big part in it though. Harrison Ford and Shrinking, right. You People movie comes out on Netflix. It's got Eddie Murphy, Jonah Hill, Lauren London. Uh, looks pretty good. So Jonah Hill starts. I did see dating Lauren London. Yeah, and her parents are like, "You're dating a white guy, right?" And and and, Eddie and his family's very Jewish, right? Yes, yeah, like I did yeah. see that. It uh, actually Julia, does. Julia Lewis Dreyfus. Is, it is, is it does mom. look it does look pretty good actually. It did look. Uh, of course, new episode of Last of Us on Sunday night on HBO. And Milf Manor on Sunday night ah, as well. Ah, never miss Milf Manor. That is an important one. All right, very good. Everything else, glennclarkradio.com. Stan the Fan, you yes, will sir. be on with the boys tomorrow morning. Yes, I will. The Bat Around, 10 the to noon around. with Paul, Paul Valley and, and uh, Zach Goodman. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, Monday night. Monday night, 6 o'clock. Uh, we're waiting word on who we're going to get. You and Ross Grimsley. Appreciate yeah. you, as always. All right. At Stan the Fan on Good Twitter. Good to see you. Is Glad how you, you survived the my, trip of a lifetime My wallet did kids. not, but I, indeed, did survive. And, uh, uh, and if you have any work around the house that needs to be done, please. Let me know for a, right. a minimal fee. I am available for hire, and my back is is almost functional, so I've got that going for me, which is nice. I am going to make some money, however, because I'm going to have Mrs. Clark put five dollars in at DraftKings this weekend for one of these quarterbacks to throw for more than one yard, and she's going to go to pressboxonline.com/offers, click on the DraftKings link, and we'll get a little bit of money back that we lost down at Disney last week. All right, thanks today to. Um, uh, well, I guess let's thank, start by thanking our guests. Let's thank Dan Wilcox. Let's thank Jeremy Fowler, Randy, Randy Mueller, who is awesome. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. ...tab at glennclarkradio.com. Monday, we're going to start the show a little bit early. I have... I'm, I guess next week is some, I don't know, student, te- parent doing week. doing some work at people's homes? No, yeah, I, I wish. No, it's like some parent event at the, my children's school, so I need to be over there at noon. So we're going to start the show at 9.30 a.m. on Monday okay, and wrap up at 11.30. And we have somebody joining us on uh, Monday. Brett Hollander. Oh, Brett Hollander is going to join us. I also got uh, Bruce Weber. Uh, former uh, Illinois and Kansas State coach Bruce Weber, who's now with the Big Ten he Network. Does a good, he does a good he does job. A very I good mean, job, very right? excited. Yep. Very happy. Absolutely. I will look for. And that was always kind of his style on the sidelines. He yep. was very, always very, he was emotive, yep. uh, Bruce Weber. So look forward to catching up with him and talking some Terps on Monday as well. All right. Thanks, everybody at Pressbox. All of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costa Sin. Maryland Jockey Club, Great Eights Memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialist, UMBC Athletics, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go all the local teams. Duke sucks.